Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Colskin. I'm joined as ever by the fabulous Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How was your holiday? It was wonderful. I actually, like, spent some time with my family and did family-related things and wasn't just watching stuff all the time. Like, That's great. I've caught up on none of the shows that, like, were airing while we were doing our end-of-the-year stuff uh, and weren't recording regular podcasts. And I, you know, I... I really am okay with that. I, I thought I was going to like need to finish off those last few episodes of most of the shows I was watching and yeah. I got away from them. I will probably not finish them and just jump in next season. I did the same thing. Like I totally deleted those five episodes of Heroes Reborn that were just sitting oh. on my DVR gathering dust. Why do you taunt me? It felt so great to do that. And I can't imagine why it felt so great. And I wish, I think I'm sure that you wish you could have done that too. As a person reviewing Heroes Reborn <laughs> for the next, you know, two more weeks, two more weeks. Yes, I envy you, sir. <laughs> I mean, just like they had to take it on a hiatus and like come back now. They couldn't just have like ripped the bandaid off and just... Done a three I know, for one. it's really terrible scheduling. It reminds me of, like, my old college where you'd have, like, two weeks after Thanksgiving and then it was finals. And it was just like, why did we have Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, like, just start two weeks earlier. I know I'm going to complain yeah. about it in the summer, but then I can actually, like, not need to be studying over Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, same, same thing for me. Uh, but, yeah, so because that I'm not completely caught up on 2015 TV, but I am so far... As caught up as I want to be on 2016 TV, are you concerned at all about hashtag peak TV this year? Because so far, I'm not very concerned yet. I'm not like super, super concerned. Um, I did one of my New Year's resolutions. Well, New Year's resolutions for TV this year was I was going to watch more documentary programming. So I actually added three shows (laughs) (laughs) from PBS. um, This this and two of them like started back like immediately this week. Nova and Independent Lens. And so I have already two new shows to start watching, even though Nova's been on since like 1975. That's 43 seasons that I have to catch up on before I know what's going on on Nova. Clearly, it's the only way it can be watched. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, so I'm feeling kind of good, even though Tuesdays are just now a bloodbath. It's just, it's disgusting. There's too much stuff on on Tuesdays now. Ah, well, fair enough. Well, we're going to have our preview of the mid-season shows and all the shows that are coming back and and are um and are starting up listeners and uh, instead of a DVD shelf this week we will be back to the DVD shelf next week we'll be back to our regular schedule next week um but what that means for our week in TV is that all of those shows that either had a season premiere or a pilot this week we're not going to talk about during our week in TV we're going to put that into the the season um preview or the mid-season preview so we have a super short week in TV this week uh, so, so much so that we're just going to put it all in one and not break it up by, by genre. Um, so now we're going to take a break and we're going to listen to some Steven Universe because they gave us such a pretty song this week. They did. They did. And then we're going to come back with our week in TV. So we'll be right back after this. I guess we're already here. I guess we already know. We've all got something to would be if they were stuck on earth with you <laughs> yes 
worth more? Is there anything that's worth more than peace and love on the planet Earth? That was Peace and Love on the Planet Earth, uh, or Peridot Song is basically what I'm going with, uh, from Steven Universe this week. Of course, it was Steven's birthday, so they did a Steven bomb, and it was delightful. We'll get there. But first up in our weekend TV, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Doctor Who Christmas special, The Husbands of River Song, as well as the Sherlock New Year's special, The Abominable Bride. Noel caught up on Person of Interest Season 4, so we'll talk a little Person of Interest before we dive in with this week's Elementary, Miss Taken. Uh, then Limitless, The Assassination of Eddie Mora, Top Chef, Big Gay Wedding, Adventure Time, Summer Showers, and then we'll round things out with the Stephen Bomb. Okay, the answer... Stephen's birthday, it could have been great, message received, and log date 7152. So first up is Doctor Who. I wanted to mention this because I always talk about Doctor Who. And I thought this one was, the, the Christmas special this year was about um, very, very middling um, for the Christmas specials. Actually, maybe it's a little stronger because often with the Christmas specials, they either embrace the Christmasiness and find something new to say in that form, in that medium, about Christmas or about the, the the doctor or the companions in relation to Christmas, or they don't and they just throw Christmassy stuff on the on the screen just to, to have Christmassy things. And it doesn't work and it's a mess and it's not very well written. And often even people I know to be very talented actors can't do much with it. This year did not feel as overtly, painfully Christmassy to me, even though it's set at Christmas and, and you know, there's some imagery there. But um it more was about River Song and it's her relationship with the doctor. She meets uh, the, this latest doctor, and the, the, of course, uh, Alex Kingston and Peter Capaldi have fantastic chemistry. They work really well together. The thing is, uh, it just highlights for me how how uninteresting River Song has become for me personally. I'm not a huge fan of the characterization because I think of the way the character was introduced, and she was this badass archaeologist, and then now she's in just a straight up thief and and con woman and she yes she is an archaeologist but she uses archaeology in order to steal stuff and pull cons not because she's actually interested in studying the past or studying people and uh that's just for me it's a little you know underwhelming but that's yeah. it's not my character it's their character they can do with their character what they see fit i, I thought the some of the stuff worked really well um other other moments less so um i could have really kept the singing towers off screen that's the the last time that they meet before uh she she goes to the library and and has you know gets downloaded to the mainframe and all of that good stuff but um but i thought they did a good if they were going to show it they did a good job with it and um you know it, it every time river is such an entertaining character even if i don't like the way they've in my view minimized her that it, it's really i mean you're not going to go wrong with basically like a lighthearted christmas romp with River Song, um, even if I wish she wasn't such a psychopath, uh, <laughs> the way that they tend to write her. It's funny that you say psychopath, because I was talking about this episode with a friend of mine who had watched it, and I hadn't watched it because I've uh, abandoned the show, uh, that she really liked the episode because it turned the Doctor into River's companion, and River became the Doctor, essentially. Mm -hmm. And she really liked that change-up and how things worked, and she just really liked that aspect of it, and that was... That's my contribution to this conversation is that <laughs> someone else I talked to that watched it had this feeling about it. But did it feel like that to you? Did he like become the companion within the framework of the episode? 
He's very observational, yes, because he knows who she is. She doesn't know who he is, though she knows the doctor, but she thinks she knows mm. all his faces. So okay. he this is a different face. He's used all his regenerations. It can't be him. That kind of a thing. Um gotcha. so, so he's yeah, he's he's helping out. He's just kind of around um and hanging out, but he still has that doctory knowledge more than she does. However, she is very active and it's very much following her. So I okay. absolutely see where, where your friend's coming from. The the issue, and maybe that's why I had, you know, it was a little bit more irksome to me because we spent so much more time with River and this is the this parts of River uh, that were very featured in this were parts of River that I f- am not interested in. So, you know, I, I'm much more interested in her relationship with um, with Amy and, and with some of these other characters as well as, you know, the notion of her just having elements of her life outside of uh, the Doctor is great. Um, when those alternate to just be her running cons, that's less interesting to me. But um, but no, it, on the whole, I'm I'm going on way too long. On the whole, it was entertaining and uh, and and they've certainly done much worse in their Christmas specials. Um, so Doctor Who, I guess tip of the tip of the cap. I would guess that's the last time we'll see River Song for quite a while. Um, next up is Sherlock the Abominable Bride, and the only reason I'm mentioning it is that. I thought it could have been so interesting. It's sort of like a Flash Earth 2 kind of way to just see them go, because it opens with, you know, like a previously on, and you see stuff from the previous seasons, and then it goes alternatively, and we see that, but if it was actually set in a Victorian time period. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. They just go straight up alternate universe, the whole thing. And then it wasn't. And then it isn't. And it's just like, I don't know why I didn't expect you know, Moffat to not be able to just have it be a standalone parallel universe adventure. He had to be like, Oh, it's all related, man. It's look at me. I'm so clever. And it's not. (laughs) And like the ending where, um, Oh, but is the other reality really the real, like everybody's done that. I mean, that is not a new idea. I can, off the top of my head, I think of the Buffy, uh, insane asylum episode. I think of there's a TNG like that. There's like, Instantly. There's like eight TNGs like that. Exactly, exactly. So it's just one of those. I was enjoying it, but then it just had to go get too clever for its own good. Um, and what else did I expect from Sherlock? Let's let's cleanse the palate here. You watched like all of season four of Person of Interest in the matter yes. of a few days. Tell me about this. It was really, really great. Um, Person of Interest was one of those shows that when it was starting up, uh, people were like, you need to watch it. And I was just like, okay, I'll watch it eventually at some point. And then I purchased the first two seasons on DVD, really enjoyed it, and then Netflix picked them up, and I watched season three over the course of, like, a week. And then I did season four, which dropped uh, over the holiday, like, around New Year's. Because I swear, Kate, I was going to watch Sense8 over New Year's. I promised. <laughs> I was going to watch Sense8, and then I did not watch Sense8. Um, I watched Person of Interest season four instead, and it was really, really great. Um, it was interesting. You, you didn't, you haven't watched it, right? I've seen parts of it. I've, I've seen, okay. I believe, if I'm thinking of the right season, the last thing I've seen, and I've seen all the episodes up to this point, is, uh, Shaw, um, the elevator th- doors coming down, and, yeah. yeah, we think people are dead, and they're not, they aren't dead, and, you know. That, I know they go to a town later, and it's like, I know some vague ideas, but that's season four? Yeah, that's season four. So I've seen about half of season four. Yeah, I was about to say, you, you've seen the good half of season four. Oh, that's disconcerting, because I wasn't 
uh, pushed, right. compelled to watch more. Yeah, well, no, see, that's, like, it kind of reverts back to a very, kind of a season one procedural emphasis again, after that really deeply serialized rush to deal with Samaritan. And it was really kind of jarring a little bit. And it still ended up being a really satisfying season, and I'm really, really eager for this season five to eventually sometime in the future maybe appear and premiere. Um, but no, it was really, really good, and, and I'm I'm really regretting the fact that I'm coming to the show right when it's probably going to not continue on after its short season five. <laughs> but this is how this goes with me, is often I'm told to go watch this really great se- really great show that everyone loves, and then, oh, right, yes, you're watching it. Oh, it's 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 done. Thanks, thanks for coming late to the party. Can you clean up? And I was just like... Yeah, I can help clean up. That's fine. So, but no, um, it's really good. Um, if you weren't liking what you were watching up to that point with the elevator and the dramatic stuff with Shaw and everything, um, then yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep going. Um, but it was, it was totally like within my wheelhouse. I think that the show's got a really nice bench of supporting characters because I love Elias, um, the mafioso leader. Um, and just all those kind of dynamics about the crime, the crime war, and just all that kind of stuff just really tickles my fancy. And so, yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it. And it was a good way for me to spend basically, like, a long stretch of, like, through New Year's and New Year's Day and into that week until I wrapped it up instead of finishing X-Files Season 9 or watching Sense8, which is what I should have done. <laughs> now, there's something quite like a, a procedural marathon on those yeah, long days. Yeah, it's really satisfying. It's so much fun. Like, I really do look forward to the eventual Law & Order DVD shelf that, like, mathematically, it has to eventually happen, right? Nobody's ever suggested it. I would love to do a oh, Law & Order DVD shelf. We need to do one. We need to I find a guest. Because <laughs> it's amazing. It can just be us talking for three hours about Law & Order. Oh, don't uh, tempt no. me. You know that I will take you up on that. Um, I will do it. But, but yeah, um, with, with, with person of interest, my relationship with the show is I went to a panel about it at Comic-Con because uh, I was hanging out with a friend of the show, Todd, Todd Vanderwerf, and he's, he's a big proponent of the show. He's like, you got to watch the show. you got to watch the show. Uh, so I did, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I, had, I had sampled the beginning and wasn't enamored, so, you know, the the – Kavi's little performance was too distancing for me. Uh, so I got into it, really loved Taraji P. Hansen on there. Um, and that version of the show is the version of the show that I'm more interested. I'm just not interested in the Samaritan stuff or in the global conspiracy stuff. So when we moved away from the, I'm, I don't know why I'm trying to keep things spoiler free ish but when we moved away from the henson character i, I was trying to yeah, yeah. um and it really went all in i mean because I, I also really like uh, sarah shahi and i think shaw's great and of course a big fan of amy acker so root is a right. lot of fun too and they're both great yeah. but but yeah but i'm just not interested in the conspiracy version of the show the way that i was in the the lower level sure. more individual like kind of cop version of the show um so so is when you say that the second half of the season four goes back to the more procedural thing is that more in keeping with the earlier tone or is it still that format but more in the conspiracy tone in no small part because shaw is no longer around um in part because of um shahi's pregnancy is why she left um is that the show takes back that tone and Acker and Root just kind of like rotate in as Root does. She's not around as around very often. 
And so it reverts back to basically recent Finch with Fusco's aid trying to save people. So it feels very much like season one. And there's even an episode for me um, that deals with Harold's flashback to trying to get revenge on someone who caused the fairy explosion or was somewhat responsible for it or didn't stop it. And it's all, it's very, very season one. Like it felt like a leftover season one script, basically. And they're trying to stop someone who's going after people who, who have wronged other people. So like another vigilante type of situation, they're trying to stop him. And I mean, it felt, felt like a very much a return to season one. So if you're more interested in that aspect of the show, then I think you'd enjoy that because the Samaritan stuff really fades to the background quite a, quite a bit. I mean, basically doesn't come back until like the last two and a half episodes of the season okay. from like season from like episode 14 and on. So, I mean, it's interesting. My problem was, is that it basically became recent Finch and Fusco with Root occasionally showing up. And I was just like, oh, this is the same problem I had with season one is that it was a lot of dudes talking on earpieces. <laughs> yeah. And there's only so much of that I can do. And there was only so much of that that Taraji P. Henson could do when she was on the show to alleviate that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, we're back to this. And it was so much better when Root and Shaw were having flirty conversations with one another. And so that was that was where I was kind of coming at it from. And unlike you, I really enjoy the AIs going to destroy us all type of stuff. And I really appreciate how sly the show was about building up to that in a really elegant, I thought, really elegant sort of way. And how it like steadily built up this world of competing AIs. But I also get your point that, I mean, it just kind of, it doesn't always fit with the street level stuff. Which is still also really interesting to me because people would tell me when I was when I was tweeting about watching season one, they were just like, just skip to season two. That's when it gets really good. But then I was just like, but I get all this groundwork for the Elias stuff that's fantastic and really, really interesting. And they're just like, no, no, AI serialization stuff. I'm just like, and that I think gets to a lot of the other things. It's like, I'm very pro procedural and episodic type of structure. And I really enjoy that. Like, I mean, we were talking about enjoying a procedural marathon and it's just like law and order SVU reruns were the most watched thing hour wise on TV in 2015. Wow. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, it's on a lot, so that helps, but I mean, it was the most watched like scripted thing on television last year. It was like by far, it was that along with like teen Titans go episodes apparently and a couple of other random things, but no. So there's the pleasure in the procedural as well. And I think that's where that kind of disconnect comes from is that I really like the fact that person of interest does both of those things really, really, really well. It was just that first half of season four is just pure. We're going to stop Samaritan and Oh no, we can't stop Samaritan. And then it's just like, Oh, we're going to go back to this because we have to kind of rejigger things a little bit. And it's just like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I guess type of thing. So yeah, but no, it was still really good. And I'm looking forward to season five a whole lot. Well, if I do go back and watch some more of the season, I'll make sure to, to let you all know what I think Please of it. Do. I want to, I want to hear how you feel about it. And I like the episode where they go to that town too. 
It's really interesting. Gotta love a good out of town fake couple episode. Um, well, we've we've been talking a little bit about Law and Order, which takes me to our next show, which is Elementary Miss Taken. And uh, this episode had a very Law and Order feel to me because of the way that they set up sort of this villain or, or potentially recurring foe for Sherlock. It, I was reminded of like on Criminal Intent, right? Gorin had like that Moriarty kind of figure, and and there have been a few others. Olivia Diabo's character, yeah. Yeah, that have have uh, had like these recurring villains, and so it, it actually kind of threw me a bit because I liked the episode and I liked what we got, but by the end that didn't it didn't feel like elementary to me. It felt like Law and Order um, or one of these other procedurals. So um, I don't know. I'm a little torn. What, am I just being too picky about the tone? I mean, what did you think of this episode, Noel? I really, really liked it. Um, I was excited about the fact that he could potentially have a recurring adversary that they can actually have recurring since they can't get natalie dormer anymore um that i mean that natalie dormer was great casting at the time but now she's just way too famous to come and play with them um but no so i was really excited about um um that that potential adversary coming back i don't think she should come back a immediately and b too often because i don't think that i think that character has a very limited shelf life in terms of how effective she could be. Uh, in no small part because there's just no personal connection apart from the fact that he can't quite figure her out. Which is interesting. But he, it also just, you can't have that happen too often. Is how I feel about it. But it was still really interesting. And I love that you brought up Law and Order in relation to this episode. Because A, it had Catherine Erba. Erby, Erby. I want to say Catherine Erby. Butchering the pronunciation of her last name, but she was the D- Vincent D'Onofrio's partner on Law and Order: Criminal Intent, and then along with her, both of the uh, both of the other guest stars were like recognizable guest actors who have appeared on a bunch of other stuff. Or the woman who played Mina has been on Into the Badlands, and she was also in Parenthood for a little while. And it was just like, oh, three guest actors I recognize. I don't know who did it this season, be- this episode, because I. I recognize all three of these people, whereas the inverse of the Law and Order property, where when you recognize that one guest star, you know who did it. <laughs> so that was really exciting. Um, what did you think about the Jones stuff? Because that was actually the stuff that left a really kind of bitter taste in my mouth for me, um, because I felt like it just it didn't work in the meta-ness of them wanting to talk about, oh, someone else is chronicling Sherlock, or this idea of Sherlock being a character who's been adapted into other sources. It's just like wink, wink, nudge, nudge type of thing. But I just kind of felt bitter about the fact that Joan ends up apologizing for being angry that her stepfather stole her life to write two books. And I just went, no, you, you should be upset about this. He did this without your permission. Why are you apologizing? And it just felt kind of weird and half-baked, which is how Joan's family on this show works, sadly. But it just didn't work for me, and it kind of detracted from the otherwise really good, twisty, house of lies type of fun house that the procedural aspect of the episode was. I actually really liked that part of the episode. Um, I agree that it was uh, maybe not executed as well and there's some parts that were frustrating for me certainly but i really like what they got out of the sherlock and joan you know relationship in in regards to this so so when we have joan um anticipating sherlock's reaction because she knows him so well and how he would typically respond i thought that was really great and then his response being different because of the fictionalization and everything uh was really 
did really work for me. And, and then him responding to her potential overreaction and all that, like all of that, so much of the strength of the show comes from that core relationship. I would say 95% of the strength of the show is that core relationship and how well the writers uh, and the actors handle it. Um, so I really like that part of it. I agree that she should be upset about her, her stepdad doing it, doing this. Um, and I didn't like how they took that back all the way. I like that it was like an overreaction and her dealing with these larger issues in relation to it. But um, I would have liked if they didn't, back it off all the way um so i think you know i think i'm more positive on it than you are but i'm kind of there's some creepiness with it wrote her into sex scenes i mean it's just it's weird you either get to have the i was writing about you to spend more time with you thing or the comedic like sherlock yeah. and sex scenes if you don't get to have both yeah yeah and john Hurd does good creep but i don't think he's supposed to be creepy <laughs> I did like what we got uh, elsewhere, though. Like, I, when they have the, um, the the Into the Badlands, the daughter, come in and, uh, you know, talk to Sherlock and Joe, like, I totally, totally bought what she was saying. It's, yeah, right? It was a really good feint. It just feels like such a Law & Order twist. Like, that's what they would do in this kind of a story. So, like, they, I totally bought in to that. And uh, so they really kept me on my toes with that stuff. Like it it really, I think it could have gone a number of different ways. So yeah, no, but I'm glad that you thought it was into the Badlands chick immediately. Cause when she came on with the, I didn't know who it was and who it could have been immediately. Because again, I recognized all three of the guest actors and then she comes in with the whole thing about them having killed the daughter and everything. And they're just like trying to like keep it a secret and everything. I'm just like, Oh, that's good. And then I couldn't decide if she was lying or not. And I was really excited about the prospect of Sherlock being wrong about it. Which, I mean, again, this show doesn't do a lot. But it's it set a little precedent for him not being able to solve the case back in season last season with Bella. With that great episode where he couldn't figure it out. And I was really hoping that that was what we were going to get here. And we got a variation on that. Which was also really exciting. Because I like it when the detectives lose every now and then. It's It's... It's a good change of pace, and it establishes a threat and a fallibility that keeps them from being oh so really great, and which is important, I think. And it also gives, especially gives Johnny Lee Miller really new stuff to find and play. And I like the fact that he's not, like, he doesn't talk down to her when he's, like, got her behind bars, because he knows, he understands that this isn't going to quite stick. And unlike with other criminals where he's very... Compared to when he could barely restrain himself from calling her a liar while he was going over her story and everything. Because he was just, like, dying to tell her. Uh, But he's treating it with a different kind of attitude when she's, like, ready to be like, "Eh, I've got six lies already to get out of this. How many do you think I can, how many do you have? And she's like, oh, oh, this is, this is, this is good. I like where this is going to go. So I was, I was really excited about that. Well, talking about, uh, we spent, you know, spent a lot of time here with elementary talking about the villain. What about, what about Limitless? And, uh, you know, <laughs> they made Bradley Cooper a villain. They brought back Bradley Cooper and we met someone else who potentially was working with uh, Senator Mora for a little while in some capacity, which was very exciting. Um, she mostly just kind of made me want to watch Fringe, you know, because she, she was the daughter on Fringe. Oh, I didn't watch Fringe, so I, I no. So no, I really, I, I like this episode in no small part because 
one of the big things I've been looking forward to on Limitless has been whether or not NZT is stripping away Brian or Mora's humanity, basically, and, like, distancing themselves from humanity of being like, we're the ones that can save it type of thing, and the links that they'll go to to do that. And I, we're starting to see elements of that, I thought, really kind of come out and play this week as Brian had to grapple with a moral dilemma of trying to kill this woman or lose his booster shots, basically, and go back to being schlub, schlubby Brian without any meaning or anything. And it was really fascinating to see the show visualize that dynamic and him having a conversation with cool cardigan Brian and leather decked out Brian. And those two sides of him in conflict with one another and that idea of, well, you need to do this to survive, but also I feel like you're inching towards that idea that Mora is very deeply invested in and we're the ones that are going to fix these people type of thing, which is like an undercurrent in a lot of what Moore is talking about. And I'm really interested in seeing that particular dynamic play out a lot, um, a lot more. So yeah, how did you, how did you feel about the episode overall? I'm, I've, I've always, I'm actually always really glad when Bradley Cooper shows up on the show, even if I'm not a huge Bradley Cooper fan. I, you know, I really like Bradley Cooper on TV. I mean, I know for a lot of people he's a movie guy, but for me, I always just go back to Alias. I mean, I think... I'm always distracted when he shows up because his hair is terrible. It's so bad. Um, no one running for senator would have that hair. <laughs> or a president. <laughs> for a lot of people, Bradley Cooper is like a big movie star and everything. But for me, I always just think of him. I really like when he's on TV. I think it's a really good space for him. He's definitely He's got a really good TV presence. And, uh, and I think it's also pretty smart for him to, to be really embracing limitless like this because when he, when the show came out you know people were saying he's going to be involved and you know I, I certainly assumed that he was just going to have his name on it and like cast some checks and maybe show up here and there but you know having him you know show up once and then again and then here then they just like full-on make him potentially the series-long villain and i think that's a really i think it's a really smart move for him as just an actor and a, a, as a creative presence but um but he he works really well really well on the show and i I like the way that they uh are are developing who mora is but also the way they're exploring brian versus eddie um i think works really well i like that the individuality of of brian has become very much part of the fabric of the show and who he is when he's not on nct um i think it's really crucial so yeah i I like what they were doing here and how they were developing um the characters individually, but then the way that they got to play off each other, I thought again, worked really well. I also really like when they're like, like you said, the flights of fancy with Mike was awesome. Um, leather sticks to my skin. Uh, and they're also, and also what they're giving, um, Colin salmon to do. Cause like, he's just, he, I've never gotten to see him be this comedic outside of, of course, earlier this year, master of none or in 2015 master of none. Um, it's really great to see Colin Simon in such a different light. And Colin's really leaning into that too. Like he's leaning into how funny that's supposed to be while still maintaining like the core of that character. It's just like, this is what that guy was like when he was like 22. I just also really like what they're giving, um, what they're giving Rebecca to do and how they have, you know, the interactions we got with the clandestine operation and everything with Colin Salmon and, and uh, Jennifer Carpenter, but, but also just that, you know, Brian has such a healthy respect for her and uh, for her 
attitude and her intelligence and when they have they're giving her something else to do by having her kind of start figuring out anymore um but yeah they're giving her so much more uh to do than just be like part of a love triangle like it seemed like they were building towards it's actually kind of interesting that similar thing with elementary so maybe it's a cbs kind of mandate but uh, i would have anticipated on both of these shows that they would be steering much more into uh you know a central uh will they won't they dynamic and there's some of that here that's been around but really they haven't done too much of it so it's actually like a very a very much a pleasant surprise that they've they're coming up with these other more much much more interesting things for for her to, to explore and to deal with and and anytime they let somebody be good at the job like they are letting rebecca be good at her job and start piecing this stuff together uh that's way more interesting for me to watch than like secrets of her her dead father or a love triangle but um yeah i again there was a lot of really fun stuff here and they continue to develop this into one of the best uh procedurals at least for me on tv right now so i'm really enjoying it uh but let's move on to our next show which is top chef how are you uh, feeling about the, this season of top chef so far are you watching last chance kitchen or where are you at with the season i haven't been watching last chance kitchen in no small part because i'm just like Ugh, i have to go online but i'm online all day no no i don't care i'll just find out who won by looking at wikipedia whatever which is what i do <laughs> um but no, um, I'm feeling okay about this season. Like, I'm still learning everyone's names half the time. And now it's getting to the point where the people's names I do learn are the people who get eliminated. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn it, I have to learn someone else's name now. And then they're going to get eliminated next week. Um, but I'm not loving the whole, we're going to do this food tour of California thing that they've got going. It's really kind of meh. For me, and I know that you and Whitney had talked about it when Whitney was on, and I think you guys had expressed a similar opinion about the lack of a central locale for them this this season has been kind of a weird distraction. Um, but yeah, so I haven't been like super invested in it, but I also think it's just like show fatigue as well. It's just like I've been steadily losing interest in Top Chef. Like when I saw it was coming back, I just went, oh, there's a new season of Top Chef. I mean... I guess. Okay, okay. Shows are on hiatus right now. I can I can watch this, and that's kind of where I'm at with the show. Um, I was really upset with the Grayson elimination um, before the hiatus. Um, I thought that was ridiculous and begged the question of why in the world they brought Grayson back. Um, and I was getting furious, angry Twitter DMs from Whitney that night. Like, what is happening? Why is this happening? And I was just like, I haven't watched the episode yet. I'm on my way back from something. She's just like, oh, well, when you get back, <laughs> text me. And so I was really upset about the uh, Grayson elimination. I was really upset about the uh, Giselle elimination this week as well, uh, even though I was really impressed with her gamesmanship, trying to get Man Bun out, like, shifting things, which I thought was great. Um, but yeah, so I was just like, I'm still kind of like, meh. How are you feeling about Top Chef so far this season? And particularly the last two episodes. Well, first of all, let me just say, if I was at that wedding and I was handed that steak and potatoes, I'd have been pissed. Yeah. You do not do that to mashed potatoes. But I mean, you're going to, you're going to mess up, you're going to mess up mashed potatoes to give me mashed potato whipped cream. No. Who wants that? I mean, seriously. It was like, 
It was totally looked disgusting. I mean, I'm a big fan of the mashed potato. I think it can be dressed up, dressed down. It's such a delicious potential on a plate uh, for flavors and textures. But yeah, that Whoa. I yeah. I, so I liked that there was so much talk about uh, potential elimination there for Philip based on that mess of a thing he had the gall to call steak and potatoes. Um, yeah, not a fan of that. Yeah, I know. I thought. It's just such solid gamesmanship. It's just like, we both recognize that our, our dishes were bad. That shows how strong and mature we are. This guy over here thinks he's just doing everything right. Do you want to keep him around? And I'm just like, that's a fantastic way of copping to it, but at the same time being like, but that guy's an idiot. <laughs> just imagine all the shit he's going to serve you next week. <laughs> And it didn't work. <laughs> but as for the rest of the episode, um, I mean, some of the stuff looked really good. I would have loved to eat that dirty rice looked amazing. And there's a few, you know, that dessert too also looked amazing. So there's several things that, that I was certainly uh, envying from uh, my, my seat on the couch. But um, this season, I'm sort of meh on. I'm not very invested. Um, the Grayson thing, I was much more on board for her elimination than it sounds like you were. Um, I think, you know, I, I liked certain things about her coming back. I was initially on board, like just with positive memories of her from her previous tenure. Um, but she came in with a very, she came in very defensive and just with a very different perspective than the other chef testants because of course she's been through this before. So she doesn't have that same reverence for the judges and for the process that the newbies tend to have. Um, so that was, you know, it gave a different dynamic, but she, it also felt like she was just kind of sitting back and expecting to coast through the first several uh first several at bats and and then she didn't really seem like she was stretching herself for making anything that notable or interesting so i was on board with her getting eliminated because uh i mean she was arguing that she's the more experienced of the two chefs so she's the one that should they should save even though she i mean you, you can't execute corn you can't like cook corn correctly you don't deserve to be there and having more experience and still making that stupid mistake is not a good argument as far as I'm concerned for keeping you there. So, um, yeah, she, she, at least of the one I've seen so far was rocking it in last chance kitchen. I look forward to seeing what she does next. You know, if she can, they can build a narrative of her over like 10 weeks, getting her way back in, then, you know, then more power to him. But, um, yeah, I wasn't too disappointed in that. I don't know how much of the stuff with Grayson is her and how much is the edit, but she did, was not coming off well. It's weird that you talk about the edit because I feel like Angelina is getting a really terrible, horrible, oh my God, she's insufferable edit, especially this week. Yeah, it, it really seemed, you know, it's hard to tell with her. Um, Giselle, I think, was also getting a little bit of a trouble from the edit. Yeah, and I think Giselle's edit is really to like play off the fact that She's pitching herself as this really nice person, and she's coming off really aggressively in, in, like, the competition type stuff, outside of the talking head interview stuff. So it's just like, all right, look at this weird disconnect this woman has going on between how she's representing herself and how she's actually behaving. And I just went, no, that's not really, I don't really care for this juxtaposition. It's not super interesting to me. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, well, I, I kind of liked her anyway. And so it's just like, no, this is fine. But now I have to find someone else's name to learn that isn't Angelina. And I don't know who that's going to be yet. Because it was just like, uh, the guy who made the milkshake. I felt like we hadn't seen him before. (laughs) I was just like, are you new? Did you 
did you just appear magically? When did you join? Because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't remember him at all. Um, if he had even had like a talking head segment at some point, and I was like, "You're, I don't know who you are, but okay," <laughs> type of thing. So yeah, so yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling about it right now. It's just like I may end up if I weren't recording this with you week to week, I'd probably let it build up. But since it's really the only reality show that I watch. Though I'm going to watch Amazing Race for you as well. So I'm going to like, I'm going to dig in, I'm going to return to Amazing Race um, to discuss it with you. But it was just, you know, it's probably something at this point that I would just kind of let build up for a little while. But I'm not going to do that now. Well, we'll have to see. Maybe we'll just let it build up for a while and check back in at the end of the season. Uh, you know, we'll kind of see how it goes. But uh, yeah, I, I would like to be more whelmed with this season of Top Chef. For now, though, let's move on to our last two shows, which are Adventure Time and Steven Universe. And first up is an LSP and Viola uh, episode of Adventure Time and Summer Showers. What'd you think? Um, it took me a few minutes to figure, remember who Viola was, which I hate to admit, but I mean, Jake's kids are all kind of like things I don't always keep in my head as well as I should. But I really liked the episode overall. Um, it's one of those weird theater kid type of episodes where you just go, Oh, I know this feeling all too well. Um, and it was also just, a, it was also, I will say, like one of the few episodes where I can go, I really enjoyed what LSP was doing this, this week because I'm not a huge LSP fan. I know this is sacrilege among a lot of Adventure Time fans, but I don't really like What? Yeah. What? LSP's right. the best. And I'm not like a huge LSP fan, but I think LSP as an angry, angry director slash writer is the best thing that LSP could ever possibly be. Um, so it was really hilarious. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed the sweetness of the episode as well. Um, with her, like, I mean, teleporting LSP to the ice <laughs> castle. Are you real? <laughs> it was really, really funny. But I just enjoyed the muted, who was doing, who does the voice for Viola? Because whoever it was, was fantastic. That would be Paget Brewster who is amazing. She was fantastic. Really got to the, like the sadness of it. I think that's particularly why I just really enjoyed this little episode. How did you how did you feel about it? I really liked it. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun to spend this time with LSP. I mean, I love LSP cuz she's the best. Um, but, I, but you know, I like when we spend the time with with uh, Jake's kids, like you said, I don't remember any of their names. Um, so it's good to check in with them every now and again. And I again, I I like the conversation they're having here about Jake as a father and how he's pretty much terrible i thought that really worked and it, it was just it was muted and um really restrained but also completely over the top at, at the same time so I, I thought that really worked and um like bal balancing lsp just going full-on difficult director with the much more um thoughtful and patient sort of delivery we were getting from Patrick Brewster as, as Viola. Um, and, and just like, well, you know, I thought, I thought it was a really fun episode and certainly a lot of fun. And, and like you say, I like getting these non Finn and Jake kind of smaller uh, stories. It's something that Adventure Time could do. And it really, I think uh, that flexibility in the structure of the show really helps it. I think it's really interesting. I think this is probably my favorite of the episodes focused on Jake's kids, just because of how quiet it is and how personal it is. And yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it a lot. Well, next week we will be getting uh, an adventure bomb, um, adventure time every day next week. Um, so very exciting. Yay! But for now, let's move on to our Stephen bomb. What did you think of, of these episodes? 
I want to know how you felt about this week's Stephen Bond first, because when last time we talked, when there was a Stephen Bond, you were kind of like, eh, I'm not feeling this. And since this was a big continuation of that particular storyline, I was watching you going, oh God, I can't wait to hear about what Kate has to say about this. So Kate, what did you feel about the Stephen Bond? I really liked it. Yes! And I'm uh, not surprised that all it really took to turn me around on Peridot was giving her a song, <laughs> which I was, was one that I did really enjoy. I liked her song a lot. Um, but no, the... She she's really I struggled with her in the previous Stephen Bond like you like you're saying um, because she didn't really feel like a character she felt too one dimensional and I think they took too long to start fleshing her out but what we get here in these last few episodes of this Stephen Bond really in, informs us let, lets us into another part of her and explains why she is the way she is not just showing her being difficult or being single minded but saying why and and, and really cracking th- cracking her open a bit and and. Uh, and getting to more of a dimensional figure within all of that. She feels like there's a bit of the binks to her, like a uh, new character just kind of there to sell toys. Yeah. Um, which I'm not saying that they're actually doing on Steven Universe because, you know, they've created this wonderful, amazing world. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't, you know, she felt she just wasn't a character, I would say, until this point. It's, it's funny that you say that because halfway through I was just like, oh, this is the new cousin Oliver. Uh, but yeah, so no, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, but but I, I, like I said, I really liked the Stephen Bomb. Uh, I liked what we got at the beginning, starting out with the answer with with Sapphire and Ruby. I thought it was really lovely. I liked the animation style with the cutouts, very very Prismo. Um, but th- that was memorable, and and you know the, the fairy tale kind of the the structure of it where Garnet's narrating it I thought worked really well uh, you know I liked getting to know the bit more about the structure of the society with the diamonds that was neat and the fact that Sapphire and Ruby having in, inter inter uh, gem fusing really and that being what, what the abomination was I thought that made a lot more sense than you know with what we've seen it seems like fusion is such a key part of just their physiology or you know what makes gems what they are so that you know giving a reason why Garnet is such a point of contention for the other the other gems at the crystal gems um, was very was was something I was glad to see. I didn't know that I needed that, but it was it was nice to get it nonetheless. Um, and, and then progressing to you know a Connie episode, I I really needed uh, Connie. Uh, she's been gone too long, so that was really nice. And then, like I said, the Peridot stuff we were getting was much better as far as I'm concerned. So so yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. What did you think? I thought it was the bomb. Um, I've been sitting on that all week. Um, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the answer. Um, just from an animation level, I thought it was just really fantastic. As you mentioned, the fall to earth was just really good, and a lot of it just stylistically like harkened back in my brain to like Sl- Disney Sleeping Beauty and that kind of animation style a little bit, which I thought was really appropriate because this is very fairy tale ask literally it's a bedtime story yeah literally yeah and i think that there's also just one of the big elements of steven universe and particularly dealing with garnett and dealing with garnett in particular is just this idea of love and alternate ideas of love and that sort of thing and bookending it with well i tried to understand you tried to understand me and that's what matters here thumbs up is just really great to see in a kids program and so exciting, and then you read that the UK Cartoon Network is censoring half of this stuff. What? Yeah. Wait, what? 
Yeah, so, like, a lot of, like, the Ruby Sapphire stuff uh, gets, like, cut a little bit to play down the sapphic undertones. Or, they're not really undertones, they're, they're, they're text. The subtext is text. That, that is really upsetting. That's, like, that's angering. That's, that's, that really bothers me. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, Eric Thurm, who reviews it over at uh, TV Club, uh, was trying to find folks to talk about a little bit, because I think he's working on an article, or he published an article, I didn't keep track, Um, but he's working on something about this, because he'd seen it mentioned in a British newspaper about this happening, and he wanted to, like, get some audience reaction, that sort of thing. Um, But no, so it's been really great, Um, and I like how they mobilize that idea of understanding alternate love through shipping, and teaching Peridot about that through... She watches one episode of a teen show and maps out shipping and the best pairs and establishes her one true pairing. And I'm just like, this is great. She gets it. And then Garnet uses that to explain herself. And I just went, oh, just it's it's really, really good. And I think then it's just the other part about the mythology building about the diamonds and this idea of the intra intra gem fusion is just really fascinating and i think it really gets to the fact of why garnet is so freaked out about the mutant cluster things because it's they took what she is and turned it into a freak and an abomination and that's why she reacts so strongly to what that was happening in the nursery and what peridot was like looking at because they took what she is and made it something really terrible and disgusting when what she is is really beautiful and I think that's just really exciting. Um, so we should talk about the map. But um, before we do that, can we? What? How do you feel about rose quartz? I like rose quartz. Um, I, and I like the way that they've sort of used her in the show at this point. What do you think? I don't know how I'm totally supposed to feel about her sometimes, which I think is interesting because I like that she's not. She's not like a straight up heroine, like Paragon. Yeah, she was very Paragon-y in the early going before she started, like, showing up in the flashbacks. But even, like, in this episode, I feel like she's... A, it feels really weird to launch an attack on a gym conference with just you and a Pearl with two swords. Um, But Pearl with two swords is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But she's a badass. I would not be concerned if I were Quartz. No. But... So, but there's also just this kind of connivingness to her. I feel like that's like, we found a new ally type of thing. And I don't know quite how I'm feeling about Rose sometimes. And I think that's, I think that's okay. But I was just, it was something that came to me towards the end of the answer. Where she needs more people to help her. And she sees Garnet, Ruby Sapphire, as a way to achieve that. But at the same time, it's just like, but she's doing it through love. So how it can't be that bad type of thing. And I just, I'm still trying to suss out my feelings about how I feel about it a little bit. It's very, um, she's very Dumbledore in that way. It sounds like that's what you're keying into. Dumbledore. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yes, exactly that. Okay, go on. I don't have that problem. I think, I think as you know, any leader, any sort of general needs to be able to see the world in that way or they can't be an effective leader. Um, and I guess I get a lot more warmth from her, but I mean, I think it's also key that we, we've never really seen her. We've only seen how Pearl or Amethyst or Garnet remember her. So, or Greg, I should say. So, so when we're seeing Rose Quartz, I I think she's a really fascinating figure. 
because we're just getting these different impressions of her. But no, I, I mean, I think what's so important is that, you know, when she meets Garnet, her reaction, I thought it's it just so beautiful that it doesn't matter what I think, it matters how you feel. And, I, you know, for me, that was really warm. So I wasn't seeing that manipulation that you were seeing in, in, in that moment. Um, so we just interpreted that different. But, um, yeah, I do think she's a really interesting figure, and hopefully we'll get more with her. And how awesome is the, uh, like, the cotton candy garnet or whatever? So great. So very cool. I just loved, I loved how messy that fusion was, because it should be messy. And it it, it reminded me of, like, Connie and Steven's... Stevani! A little bit. I mean, not as, like, weird and stuff, but, I mean, it was a half-human and a human, so it wasn't going to be as fantastical. But, no, it was, it really got to how messy that first love, that first interaction, that first kiss, that first sexual encounter can be for one of that to carry the analogy to its completion. Now, do you have any questions about, or concerns about like the map that we saw where like Russia has a giant crater and Florida's like all broken into islands or whatever? What do you think about that? Um, as long as it's not, as long as we don't find out that we're living in like, a pre-mushroom <laughs> war. I'm gonna be okay with with it, but it is it is a little weird, and I don't know if I necessarily want answers about that. Um, but I imagine that we may get them at some point. But I'm kind of okay with not finding out. Yeah, no, me too. I don't. It's one of those things that yeah. I just I don't need answers on. Um, I think it's interesting that they do keep teasing details like this. Well then, so what wins your week in TV? Uh, it's it's Steven. Yeah, no, it was it was five. Yes, but which Steven universe? Oh, if I had to pick one episode, um, I I'm gonna go with the answer, even though I really want to pick the episode of Steven's birthday because I really enjoyed that episode mainly because so much Connie, um, and so much Connie being really really great. Um, but no, I'm gonna go with the answer just from an animation level, just from a message level. It was really, really great. What won your week? Oh, yeah, Steven Universe. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Message Received because okay. it does so much great work in developing uh, Peridot. And plus we got to see, like, you know... Amethyst turning into a helicopter! <laughs> which was awesome. And then Pearl just, uh, you can feel terrible later. Yes. Also, Pearl saying, Pearls don't all know one another, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really strong week of Steven Universe. And just TV, too. We had a lot of fun things to talk about. Uh, but now, with no further ado, we're going to take a break and come back with our preview of the mid-season shows. So we'll be right back after this. The queen, the, the hero, and the hero's BFF. And the whole season ends with armies from Valencia, Hortensia, and Richard's land in one ginormous battle to decide who's gonna be the one true king to rule the whole entire... Way to blow it, you prat. It's a new season, so hang on to your sword. A new season, which you'll probably record. A new season, so get comfortable, please, and let's go. 
We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kulsuk, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week, instead of the DVD shelf, it is time for our mid-season preview. So we're going to look at the shows debuting um, or returning over the next few months and talk about the ones that we have seen. Uh, some of them we'll be ripping to shreds, I anticipate. Uh, if not, I'm very yeah. confused, uh, Noel. <laughs> uh, and there's also a few that we're excited about, I would say. Um, so the way we're going to do this is we'll run down uh, a given week and just kind of list off the shows that are returning, and then we'll talk a little bit about the shows that are coming back. So already having premiered um, in the first week of January, we have um, we have Border Town on Fox, Cooper Barrett's Guide to Surviving Life also on Fox, Downton came back, Gallivant came back. Um, let's start with just, just with those. Uh, so new... Uh, our Border Town and Cooper Barrett's Guide to Surviving Life. I've seen both of these. Have you seen either of these? I watched the premieres for both, even though I had access to more, but I only watched the premieres to both, which I think should answer all of your questions. Um, I think they're terrible. Oh, uh, I think Border Town is awful. Um, just it's it's in that family vein of if we offend everyone, no one can complain to us. But then it's just like, oh, no, I can find ways to complain and I can. It's not funny. That's the biggest complaint. Yeah, it's ridiculously funny. Also, UFO jokes just aren't funny anymore after that SNL skit with Kate McCannon and Ryan Gosling. Because um, no UFO joke is going to be funny for a little while after that. Um, but no, Border Town just wasn't funny. Um, it's also, I hate being picky about like an animation style, but I just didn't like the animation style or the look of the show. Um, which, I mean, is it's their thing and that sort of thing. It just doesn't appeal to me at all, but it's not even remotely funny. And weird meta awareness, like, oh, I heard your head blow up. No, that was just for that was just for a gag. Oh no, not clicking for me, guys. Um, Cooper's Barrett was, I thought it was fine. Uh, I, I I liked it less than Border Town because oh. it is so painfully smug. Oh no, it's so smug. It's so smug. But I also like chuckled at least a couple of times, which ha- which helped. But I mean, no, no, it's insufferably smug. Yeah. It's really smug. Yeah. yeah. See, I could kind of, like, forget Border Town was on, but Cooper Barrett felt like it was twice as long as it actually... Cooper Barrett felt longer than Lucifer. We'll get there, listeners. Um, so, for me, that was the worst crime. Um, however, Gallivant came back, and I've seen the first seven of these, um, and I actually really enjoyed uh, these. I, I, I thought it was a real improvement over season one. Now, have you seen any Gallivant? I saw the opening number for season two. <laughs> Suck a cancellation bear? <laughs> yes, which was which was a terrific number. And I was like kind of lukewarm on Gallivant. I started to really like it like at the end mm-hmm. of season one. But I was also just like, I have so much stuff. And I review a show on Wednesday, on Sundays. And I'm just like, I don't really want to get invested in this right now. Even though that opening number made me go oh, this was really, really funny. Maybe you guys figured out the fact that some of your songs weren't that great last year. Yeah. The songs, I think, are definitely better this year than they were last year. And there's also just this very self-awareness that we get in in that opening number. You saw it, but in the the whole first seven episodes, it's, you know, like, this is a show that they can't believe they managed to bring back for a second season. And so they take all of the sincerity and the earnestness of the first season and are like, we're doing something nobody ever does. And we're just like, okay, let's dial it back. We're not, it's not rocket science. We're not changing the world here. 
Um, and that shift in tone, I think, has been crucial, uh, at least for me, to, to yeah. me, my really enjoying um, these first seven. So I'm going to keep talking about it over the next few weeks. But um, but that that is our first new day. Then we have a continue the week. Um, Superstore and telenovela are back on NBC. Scorpion, Supergirl, NCIS LA are all back on CBS. Steven Universe is back. We talked about all of these. There's a new reality show on Fox, but I don't think we care. Do you care? I didn't even watch it, and I had access to the first episode and went, uh, I don't have time. Go nope. away. Nope. And I, I, you know, listeners know I do enjoy a nice reality show, but it's called Superhuman. It's about, are they superhuman? And I no, they're not. They can do amazing things. People can do amazing things. Anyways, um, also starting up this week, New Girl is back on Fox. Um, all the Fox comedies are back. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's on Tuesdays now instead of Sundays. But uh, starting on this Tuesday, we had Shannara Chronicles on MTV. Teen Wolf is back. Killing Fields is, uh, I think, a docu-series on Discovery. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I didn't. I thought it was premiering later this month. I didn't know it was this this. I didn't know it was this week. So. Now, did you watch New Girl at all? I, I haven't watched in seasons. I I watched like the first three episodes of season one and then stopped. Fair and then enough. I watched the first 10 minutes of this episode because I was waiting for something else to come on <laughs> and just went, Oh, okay. I, I, this is still not a show that I want to enjoy apparently. So, uh, yeah. no, the one yeah. I did enjoy though was the Shannara Chronicles. I saw the two part premiere for this yes. and it totally scratched my D and D itch. It's been too long since I played Dungeons and Dragons Love Dungeons and Dragons, um, and so just the the fantasy world. Of this this is playing to to my preferences in television, my genre preferences. But I mean, you got Manu Bennett, you got, you got Crixus. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna enjoy it. That's like the two <laughs> smartest things they did was casting Manu Bennett as badass Merlin, and casting John Reese Davies as the Elf King, and mm-hmm. letting them talk to each other. And then the sec- the next best thing they did was kill off part of the pretty boy love triangle in the pilot. I was so happy. I can't tell you, Noel, how happy I was. Did you watch this one? I did. Um, first, um, Kate, we need to... I, I already have two Dungeons & Dragons games going, so if you want to start a third, <laughs> let me know, and we'll, we'll get rolling on that, because one of them I actually just do on Google Hangouts, and okay. it works really well. Um, but no, I enjoyed Shannara Chronicles all right. Um, Two-hour premiere was probably a little long for me to do. Um, I think my biggest hang-up, and I enjoyed like a large selection of it, I enjoyed that Austin Butler as a chosen one is just kind of adorably over his head and cute about it too. He's not like oh, rejecting the call like outright in a really petulant way. He's just like I'm not quite sure I should be doing this and this seems a little far-fetched. And I really like that kind of riff on the chosen one idea. Um, I think my biggest hang-up is just the fact that everyone talks like they're still in the 21st century even though we're clearly in some sort of weird post-apocalyptic earth where elves and gnomes and trolls and magic exist. And because, I mean, we saw the ivy-covered space needle, so we're clearly on Earth. <laughs> we're not hiding. An, it's a, it was Earth all along. Mm-hmm. You got me again, you damn dirty apes um, <laughs> type of situation. But I'm just like, why are we saying the phrase knocked up? <laughs> That's true. Hundreds of years later, still? Really? And but no, like you, I was really glad that they killed the <laughs> killed the pretty boy really, really quickly. Cause that was really boring. Um, but also I'm just really fascinated that this is on MTV. 
um, just from a network progression standpoint. So I'm really curious to see what it's going to keep doing. Um, I didn't need more on my Tuesday nights because, again, my Tuesdays are insane. Um, but I'll keep watching Shannara Chronicles. Um, hopefully I'll be able to keep up with it, like, on a weekly basis. But I'm not entirely sure if that's going to happen. Well, luckily it's only, I think it's like 8 or 10. I think maybe 10 episodes. 10. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we're like, we're, we're, we're. We've got eight more to go. Yeah, so, so not that many more. Um, it's funny that you mentioned enjoying that Chosen One character because all I can think when I see him is the terrible DJ boyfriend that I didn't care about on Arrow. Uh, so he's actually the, the the performer I'm least engaged with on that show right now. And I see him as the hunky boyfriend from the Carrie Diaries mostly. Yeah, and I didn't get that far with Carrie, so... Uh, okay that, that that's that's my main association uh but i'm sure he won't be doing like mind-boggling uh song selections that are actually top 40 hits so that should probably <laughs> that should probably help um also this week we had american crime come back for season two always sunny is back for season 11 mancy Woman is back for season two um a bunch of shows return mike, mike and molly is back to uh, um the the abc comedies are back the chicago series on nbc are all back um, I did a big three-part, three-show crossover telling Flash and Arrow to suck it. <laughs> Look at that, three shows. What? Anyway, go on. You're going to have to wait, like, a couple more weeks before you have three of those. Um, <laughs> now, I garnered from our uh, end-of-year conversation, you are not a fan of Man Seeking Woman. And uh, I'm curious about that. Um, and I'm guessing you did then, you didn't watch the premiere. I did not watch the premiere. Um, it's just not a show. It's a show that I feel like does the same joke, just through a different pers- different lens of dating's really tough for a sad sack guy in his late 20s. And it's just like, I didn't need you to tell me that TV show. I already knew that. Um, but it just, it never really clicked in for me, except for the Liz episode, which I thought was, which is, I just want, I would watch, I would watch Woman Seeking Man mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. But I'm not particularly captivated by Man Seeking Woman, even though I really get the appeal of it. I just don't, it doesn't click in for me in any way, shape, or form. But you really enjoy it, and a lot of people I know really enjoy it. So please, tell me what you thought about the premiere, or if you've seen any more episodes as well. I have some more, but I've held back from watching them, um, because I'm reviewing it, at least for now, at the AV Club week to week. Oh, so cool. my review of the of the premiere is up over there. And if, you're, if you like the show, please go read it and comment, because there are like two of us who actually watch the show. At least that's what it feels <laughs> like. Um, but I really, really like this premiere and, and it was very promising for me, um, as you know, for what the, sh- the next season is going to be for the, what the season is going to be, because it centers, the first segment is all Mike and it's, um, it, Josh has a new girlfriend and so he doesn't have any time for Mike. So Mike unionizes all of Josh's family and friends to protest and pick it for more hang time. Uh, which then leads to it. Then there's a Josh and his girlfriend thing. And then there's a third segment that is delightful um, that I don't want to spoil. But um, if people haven't seen it, what, what this show does and what I think this premiere does so well is it captures and really crystallizes the strength of how something feels in a way that I just can't help but compare to Buffy. Because for me, that's what this show most reminds me of. the The strength of... You know, capturing how strongly sometimes we feel about things and that notion of high school is hell or, you know, it seems like the end of a relationship is the end of the world sometimes. Um, and I've not seen anybody else really try to do that. 
and and so I th- I think what they do in this episode, this premiere, if this is indicative of what the season's going to be, it's, then it'll be more balanced. It'll be not just Josh. Oh, isn't it hard to be a twenty-eight-year-old white guy? Um, which I agree. I do not feel sorry for you, twenty-eight-year-old white guy. Um, so so if they're going to be more uh, balanced with the cast, then I think that that is really promising for this season. And no, knowing some people who have dealt with what Mike is dealing with and having dealt with that myself as well sometimes, which is like your, your best friend or, or somebody you really care about gets a new girlfriend or boyfriend and they just disappear on you. And that, how, how much that can really, really suck. I I think they just capture it in such a beautiful way that I've not seen that level of attention to what that can feel like anywhere else. And maybe it's happening and I'm just not watching those shows, but I just really appreciate the passion that this show has and how completely it wears its heart on its sleeve and is also at the same time ridiculous absolutely ridiculous undead lumberjack ridiculous so um that's where i'm at with man seeking woman i will have you know i will hopefully have seen the next several episodes soon and maybe can talk about them next week but i'm not letting myself watch more until i write the reviews Um, that's fair so that's why I have not seen more. I have seen a little bit more of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I thought it came back strong, though not as quite as strong as season 10. I think season 10 was one of their best seasons. Um, what I've seen so far of the season, I'm enjoying. Um, it's very much in the same tone. If you like Always Sunny, you will like this. If you don't, you won't. Um, but it, it's kind of encouraging to me that a season 11 of a show is still solid. Do you watch any yeah. Always Sunny? Uh, no, I tried watching it like... Gosh, I think maybe when it first started, I honestly don't know, because my best friend at the time was, like, really into it and tried to get me into it. But, like, with most of the things he was really into, I just went, dude, we just have really different tastes sometimes. <laughs> and this is one of those times yeah. where I'm not getting this. Just like with your J-pop, I don't get it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, no, it's just something that never clicked into me, even though I'm really happy that it's still on, because it's just like... 11 seasons for a sitcom these days is really rare and just um also just people still really respond to the show which is also really exciting for a sitcom at season 11 it's just like you're still telling great jokes that no one's tired of that's really impressive and that should be commended yeah well then let's talk a little bit about american crime because i know you were a big fan of season one uh I did not enjoy what I saw of season one, so I stopped after about two episodes. But I've seen the first four of this season, and I'm on board. Yes, great. I, I've only watched the first episode. I Instead of watching pilots and screeners, I watched Person of Interest. So no, I'm <laughs> glad you're on board. Um, Corey, who did a write-up for the first three episodes, um, also was like super optimistic about the show as well going forward. Um, how are you feeling about like this new, um, how are you feeling about like the format of the show as an anthology series about not even like an anthology series. I feel like it's even like going beyond that into like a repertoire series since mm-hmm. it's reusing so much of the main cast. Whereas it's just Murphy tends to like pick and choose who he brings kind of brings back for American Horror Story. It's just like this is pretty much the entire cast from the first season with a few exceptions have come back and are doing like totally almost totally different types of characters. So how are you feeling about like this this season's story? Haven't seen more episodes than I have because I'm I was already going to be on board and I am on board because I'm really excited about all the little plates that John Ridley's already and his team are already spinning. So since you've seen a few more and without spoiling, obviously, because 
Ah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how are you feeling? What did you enjoy particularly? Well, first of all, I, I love me an anthology series. Um, yeah. You know, New Year's doesn't feel quite right if, if there isn't a uh, Twilight Zone marathon happening somewhere. Um, also, um, the... I mean, I, I really like the repertory thing, too. We talked about yeah. this back a while, uh, several years ago, when we did our Nero Wolf DVD shelf, which also is a repertory. Just about every episode, they use many of the same cast, with the exception of just the leads, uh, and, and just in completely new roles. And I, I love that. Why not, man? Let's, let us let these actors do something different. And if a character is working, then they can really dive into it that season. If they're not, then we're not settled with them for the next season. So um, I really like this cast. And yeah. which is part of why I was frustrated with the previous season because I didn't respond to how they were handling some of their storylines and some of their uh, at least early on some of their their racial politics felt very um, white man explainy to me at least at the beginning of the season. Um, so I like what we're getting here a lot better. And and for those who haven't seen it yet, this season uh, centers around there's a high school, there's a, a, a private school very wealthy school where there is there are accusations of, of sexual assault at a party for like the basketball team has a party and pictures start circling or circulating around and what's happened trying to suss that out uh, over the course of the season um so yeah really compelling stuff uh, and it is stuff that we've seen done before but not in a season long approach usually it's like an episode on a very special SVU you know so right. so i you know i do think that is a significant still a significant issue in our culture in america and um i'm glad somebody's talking about it um so that's sort of where i'm at with with this season uh, what 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 did you think um i in particular for this season, um, I'm very excited about the economic issues mm -hmm. and that are like laying a strong foundation for this because uh, first season was had like bits of that, um, but it was very much tied towards more so this idea of the American dream and how race plays into that. And I think that this season's going to discuss not only like how race plays into plays into it because I think that's just going to be one of Ridley's particular issues that he's going to explore but this time it's going to be very much about economics and education being in a charter school having scholarship students uh having students that cl clearly do not need scholarships and students who are clearly going to be okay getting into whatever college or life that they want to get into later on um and how all those things intersect with one another and also one thing that was missing from last season which wasn't necessarily needed last season how technology functions in all of this as well since i mean the idea of cyberbullying and that kind of private degradation that comes with that um should be really fascinating and interesting to watch as well so no i'm like fully on board i'm loving everything that the actors are doing again i love the addition of hope davis this season i love the addition of andre 3000 um is great um but no i'm really excited about everyone's new roles um and i think felicity huffman again is going to be taking a really horrible human being and making her seem really compelling and maybe borderline sympathetic at some point which is how what she did last year with a character who shouldn't have worked on paper at all and she just made that character just sing whenever she needed to and i think that that's going to happen again here and I'm really, really excited about it. We're going to have fun talking about Felicity <laughs> Huffman and Regina King and many people, but especially Felicity Huffman. 
next week on the podcast. For now, let's move on. Uh, this Thursday, we had uh, Angel from Hell start up on CBS. My diet is better than yours on ABC. I, I don't care, ABC. Um, I, yeah, I don't. Of course, this is the thing that exists. Um, we also had Shades of Blue a start up with that's the new cop procedural uh, or I guess serial with with JLo. And then again, the CBS comedies are all back and NBC and CBS uh, dramas are back as well. So the two, at least for me, uh, Todd Margaret is also back on IFC. Lip Sync Battle is back on Spike. Heavily touted. Tatum v. Yes. Tatum. I haven't seen yes. it, but I'm sure I will I, enjoy I, it if I watch I it. I just... I just watched the clip that they leaked online ahead of time and just went, oh, that was really funny and enjoyable. Okay. I've, Thanks, guys. I've seen enough. I didn't need to watch your show. <laughs> well, what about uh, Angel from Hell? Did you catch that one? I did. Um, I caught, like, the last 10 minutes of it because I watched the pilot when they, CBS first released it this summer. Um, and it's a perfectly fine show is, like, what I can say about it. Like, um... Jane Lynch, Maggie Lawson, Kevin Pollack, you really can't go wrong with the three of them. You can give lock them in a room with like the thinnest of materials, and it's going to be really good. Um, I like this idea of whether or not Lynch's character is a guardian angel or just a really obsessed, ageless stalker um, who's deeply invested in Maggie Lawson's character and being happy. But I also don't really care if she's an angel or not. I just like this idea of this mismatched, odd couple type of thing and Jane Lynch's energy plays really well with Maggie Lawson's energy to the point where it's just like this is this could be really fun and really interesting if just for an actor showcase because Maggie Lawson sometimes just carried episodes of Psych on her back and um seeing her team up with Jane Lynch is something I'm not gonna like be about because it, it was perfectly fine it was it was good it was fine it's nothing to particularly write home about but then Life in Pieces was pretty much the same wave which as CBS tries to figure out what it wants to do with its single cam com comedy approaches I mean both of these are really fine entry points into them figuring out how to make single cam comedy work how did you feel about uh, Angel from Hell? Well, I think, and, and we should say with these, uh, a brief plot synopsis, it's occurring to me when we're previewing what these shows are. Uh, Maggie Lawson is a kind of... Uh, dermatologist. Muted, I would say. D yeah. Dermatologist right now. She's dealing with the, the death of her mother in the past like year or two. Um, and so she's kind of stuck. I'm not very happy, but not focusing on that just kind of going through the motions and so jane lynch is theoretically her guardian angel or is perhaps a stalker who uh is trying to make her be happy find things in her life to make her happy and i think that that is a really strong premise but i think for me at least you're underselling how creepy the pilot is um it is really creepy it's really creepy and it's somewhat disturbing to me that that didn't bother anyone you know how if this happened to you, you would get a restraining order, and like this is this is a crazy person. Like, so basically, what this means is, I think there's a lot of potential here, but they need to rejigger some of the tone. So sure. I look forward to seeing what it's like in episode six or episode eight when they've kind of hammered all that out because it works so much better than it should just because of Maggie Lawson is so likable, but Jane Lynch really sells the crap out of that character. 
and having a guardian angel show where the guardian angel is a day drunk uh who's kind of on cream de menthe yeah which yeah. is just random and perfect yeah yeah exactly like that is a that's a nice way to take that so it's not too saccharine but um but yeah i think they need to do some tonal adjusting okay but if they do they could have they could definitely have something there um as for shades of blue um I like this one more than I should. I will probably not watch another episode. It was very mm-hmm. distracting for me to have Greg from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend there as like a corrupt cop was kind of weird. Um, but but I like this more than I should. Um, this is about cops who are dirty but are theoretically helping the like, crime rates are down and everything because of what they're doing. It's a very watered down take on something like The Shield. Um, did you watch this at all? I didn't. Um, I just, I didn't have time, and I also knew it was something I wasn't going to keep watching. Yeah, that's Even fair though enough. it was just like, I like Jennifer Lopez, and I think she's pretty much good in anything that you put her in, which I think speaks volumes, because her choice in projects is sometimes just really, really awful. Um, but, I mean, this seems like a really good vehicle for her, just to, like, spend some time doing something on television that isn't American Idol. Um... But, yeah, I just, I didn't feel compelled to seek it out or anything. And the reviews have all been, like, basically along the lines of, this is this is pretty decent. And Ray Liotta is apparently pretty solid in it, even though he's being kind of Ray Liotta-y. Um, but, no, so it's just, I was just like, nah, I kind of like not having a lot on, at least on one day. Plus, I'm going to be doing Legends of Tomorrow, so... I'm just like, I, I don't need a whole lot on Thursdays, so I'm <laughs> yeah. okay. No, fair yeah. enough. And, and again, like you said, Jennifer Lopez is a, a, a fine actor. Um, yeah, she's great. And yeah. so she makes, she, she's good in this. And um, I can absolutely see the people who will like this, the people who tune in every week. I get it. I I just am not gonna. But like, that's the kind of thing I can see myself like marathoning on a sick day or something, you know? Sure. Yeah, that's okay. That's kind of where I'm at with Shades of Blue. And I was not anticipating having even that strong of a reaction to it. So I was a little pleasantly surprised with, with Shades of Blue. Um, the next new show that I can see, we have Rain coming back. We have Bob's Burgers is back on Sunday. Very exciting. For who knows how long again, maybe there will be another weird hiatus. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, Live to Tell is on history. Is that That's like another reality or documentary show, I think. Do you know what the deal is with that one? Um, I have no idea. I've, the first time I've seen this is when it was you sent it to me on this list. I have no idea what this is. Well, the one that I do know what it is is coming up here next week on Tuesday, the 12th. We have Shadowhunters on... Ugh, Freeform. Freeform. It's ABC Family, guys. But... They're... ABC Freeform, as I've started calling. Oh God, yeah. So this is going to be paired with Pretty Little Liars, which is coming back. Um, now, this is a this is like a spinoff show for the movie, right? The Mortal Instruments uh, movie oh, I franchise. Think it's like inspired by that or based on that in some way. Yeah. So it's like uh, all I angels. Know... Yeah, it's hunting demons or something along those lines. Um, I have to admit that I didn't look into this very much because a the promos looked really bad and b Corey watched it and he said it was atrocious so i just went oh well i'm i'm good Corey, Corey and mine's taste generally line up fairly well so if Corey's telling me something's really bad i'm not going to watch it but i'm really excited about pretty little liars coming back (laughs) yeah i don't i didn't get screeners for these so i was not able to watch them uh i did not know that that mad tv is doing a 20th anniversary reunion 
but on the CW. That's pretty cool. So, hey, yeah. I would not, I mean, I would have thought Fox, but apparently not. Um, and that, that is Tuesday. Then we have um, uh, next week, Wednesday, uh, Second Chance on Fox, formerly the Frankenstein Code. For some strange reason, they didn't seem to put the first episode up for this, but they put the second through fifth episode up. So I've seen the second episode of this. It is not very good. Um, I'm I'm shocked. Shocked. I'm shocked, as I'm sure you are, about a a police procedural about a a elderly cop who whose brain and consciousness gets put into a young body who ends up like solving cases with his estranged son who doesn't know he's his father and there's like it's very there's there's some convoluted stuff in here because you know i say that premise but i really liked now and again which was a very similar now and thing. again is amazing right like that was one season of a show yeah. um this is nowhere near as fun as that and the performances didn't particularly work for me uh so very forgettable why is Fox doing why I don't understand Fox's programming development slate when it does these really super high concept science fiction shows and then they just die. Mm-hmm. They keep doing them <laughs> and they keep dying. They don't seem to understand that they don't do them well, <laughs> but you must be excited. I mean, Younger's coming back. Yes, very excited for season two of Younger. Also, it got picked up for season three already to air this fall. So that's very exciting. Going to be watching that when it comes back this Wednesday. I have not seen any of the episodes, but given that I watched the first season in a single sitting, I'm sure I will enjoy the second season. On Thursday, the 14th, January 14th, we have Colony, an idiot sitter. Colony's on USA. It's the sci-fi show about, like, there's an alien invasion Yes, and like humans are quarantined off, and then idiot sitters on Comedy Central about a babysitter for an idiot. Yes. I, I have not seen either of these. Have you seen these? No, um, I am kind of excited about Colony just because it has Josh Holloway. Colleton Cuse is executive producing it, um, which I mean bodes well-ish. I mean Cuse has been kind of on a nice roll recently um with his projects that he's been choosing um so no i'm excited um and interested enough i mean i sat through like two three episodes of intelligence just for josh holloway so i'll sit through at least two or three episodes of colony even if it's not particularly good just for josh holloway who i really wish could find a project that works i mean maybe we'll get lucky and abc will be like we should do the sawyer miles i would i was about to say that i would watch the crap out of that spinoff I was just talking about it with Corey again because he's rewatching a lot of Lost recently. I, we were talking about that, and it was just like that should have been a Lost spinoff because it would have been amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have heard nothing promising from people who saw Colony at Comic Con, but um, who knows? Who knows? I'm not as, as big. Uh, I'm not as up on um, cues because I'm not big on Bates Motel, but I only watched a couple okay. episodes of that, so I people tell me it's got better, but uh, I have not it seen, did. Yeah. seen that. It did? Okay, good. Um, yeah. Sesame Street is starting up on HBO, guys, on Saturday the 16th. Degrassi Ooh. Next Class on Netflix. <laughs> um, but the next one for me that's of interest is Andrew Tribeca on TBS, which is like a cop parody. Yes, but it's also a cop parody that's going to air across 25 hours. Yes, they're marathoning the show for the first day for 25 yes. hours, and then they're starting the second season the next week. 
Yes, I mean, I'm. This is. I, I'm not. Into, I don't think that Kevin Riley was the mastermind behind this. Even though he's heading up TBS and TNT now, and he gave a big presentation at um, Television Critics Association Junket uh, yesterday about how he was basically just burning both of those networks to the ground and rebuilding them entirely. That we won't even recognize either of them in the next three years. Like he's taking TNT and adding eight to ten minutes of programming to the dramas. And cutting that from the ads. Okay. Yeah, no, it's I liked really when Dollhouse and Fringe did that. Yeah, so he's doing something really different and interesting, as he always does. But I'm interested in Andrew Tribeca being on for 25 hours because I don't have to work on Monday. So <laughs> I may end up watching just all of Angie Tribeca with a Mercy Street Chaser. Um, but no, I'm excited about Andrew Tribeca. It's got Rashida Jones um, as the Angie Tribeca. Um, cop parody from Steve Carell and what's his wife's name? Nancy Wells. Nancy Wells, right. So they're like the masterminds behind, but it's based on another television series, correct? I think so, yes. Yeah. I'm not sure which one, though. Yeah. So no, but I'm interested in seeing how this works. And yeah, so I'm excited about it. I don't know, like, if I'm going to actually watch all 20... Are you going to watch all 25 hours? Oh, no, we'll Should see. Should we do a live podcast as we watch all 25? <laughs> well, the, I, it's airing for 25 hours, but it's not all 25 new hours of programming, as I understand yeah. it. So yeah. there will be some repeats in there, listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, I will... I'm sure watch quite a bit, but I don't know. Again, 20... That's a lot of hours. But I like that at any point during that day, I can just turn on TBS and it'll be on. That's kind of fun. That's a fun that, that, is, that is That is kind of interesting, yeah. yeah. But Billions is also starting that night, and the re- early reviews for that have been terrible. Yeah, I watched the premiere for that oh, one. Oh, you did? I Fantastic. did. And I just, like, it's a bunch of dudes... Rich dudes. Rich dudes, rich duding all over each other, uh, basically. Yeah. No, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, like, they're they're solid performances. I mean, you've got Paul Giamatti and you've got Damian Lewis. They're going to be good. Um, And I'm actually very glad to see Melon Ackerman getting a role. I liked the very little she's given to do. I liked in the premiere. Uh, Some of the stuff Maggie Siff is given to do I liked, but the show is not about them. It's about rich dudes like going after each other um to try to bring each other down and i just don't care i just i don't care about them um so i get why people will like it and and they're such engaging performers you know the leads here that i i mean i totally get why people will will watch it but if i keep up with this one it's gonna be way down the list yeah yeah that's where i'm at with this one. Oh, i was gonna ask if you were gonna check out mercy street then um, no, I'm not currently planning to. This is a period piece set um, during the Civil War, I believe, um, in like a border townish kind of area in the South where it's being uh, controlled by the Union forces, but it's in the South. Um, and it's like a medical surgery kind of show as well. Um, and I just, I'm not, that's not, like I said, that Shannara was like in my wheelhouse. This is not, so I am not gotcha. interested at all. <laughs> what about you? I'm going to watch at least one episode because I want to see Josh Radnor try to do this with a beard. I'm just, I'm really interested in seeing Ted Mosby in the Civil War. 
Okay. I see. Um, now I'm just thinking of his of his of his boots, his cowboy boots, which he was pulling off. Yes. You know, that's like I would much rather see that. See, if you want to sell me in this one, just remind me that it has Gary Cole, and I'm yes. much more on board. But still, not enough to to wait into yeah. this one. I don't think. I can understand that. I'm gonna at least do like one episode because I am watching like a ton of PBS this year. Or at least planning to, apparently. So I'm going to at least give it a shot. What about uh, War and Peace, which is a miniseries that's going to simultaneously air on A&E, Lifetime, and History starting uh, the next day on, on January 18th? I am going to actually, I am going to watch this as well. Um, I'm vaguely interested in seeing how this works. Um, I have never read War and Peace, um, have no interest in reading War and Peace. I don't particularly like Russian literature all that much, or at least that era of Russian literature. So, yeah, I'm, like, kind of, meh, I'll watch this, but I'm not, like, pumped about it or anything. It's just, like, I'm trying to expand Horizons, and I'm also interested in A&E doing this kind of a scripted program, uh, scripted high-quality miniseries that they haven't done in God knows how long. Because this kind of a project is exactly what they would have done when I was, like, 10, (laughs) and they don't do anymore. So I'm interested in seeing them go back to doing this kind of thing. Are you going to check it out? I'll probably check it out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I I enjoy event miniseries like this, yeah. and so it's like you said, it's kind of neat that they're just that they're doing it and going back to a an older form. Everybody's so in love with this like limited series idea, like you know, one episode a week for six weeks kind of idea. It's kind of nice to see somebody just do an old school miniseries where it's like a couple nights a week and, you know, epic length. Um, We're going to get another one of these on ABC Madoff as well. It's a miniseries over two nights on ABC. Um, Less excited about that one, but just, again, it's kind of interesting to me that the form may be starting to come back a little bit. And Sci-Fi did one over the holiday with uh, Childhood's childhoods and which is sitting on my dvr i haven't watched any of it i have not seen any of it either but i've heard only very glowing things from my father who watched it who enjoys the book so uh i that is on my list of of things that's one of the few things on my list from 2015 that i actually uh may go back and and watch um how about agent carter on tuesday the 19th very excited yes because your tuesday wasn't full enough no, my Tuesdays is already just like a slaughter, and now Agent Carter's added to the mix. But, at, I mean, I'll at least get to... Oh, no, I won't get to watch any of it live. Well, that sucks. Okay, well... <laughs> well, are you excited about the move to L.A.? Uh, I'm kind of indifferent to the move to L.A. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in just seeing what they do with it. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm withholding all any and all judgment on the move to L.A. I know some people were kind of like, nah, but... I'm just kind of like no, uh, it's it's Peggy, and it's Jarvis. I I, I I that's really all I need. You could put them in hunting Nazis in Brazil, and I'd be okay. In fact, oh, I'd be super down for hunting Nazis in Brazil. That should be season three. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Let's make that happen, universe. Um, what about the hundred coming back on the twenty first, Thursday the twenty first? I have I've seen the first four. Of these, I actually cleared off time to watch the CW screeners <laughs> I had, except for containment. Um, but no, I've seen the first four episodes of the 100. Um, it's good. Um, the show is having to deal with the fact that I think seasons one and two are basically of a of a whole, and this is basically trying to tell a new story after all of the fallout. So there's a lot of we need to reestablish and set up new threats which is what the first four episodes are really devoted to, setting up new threats, both from the Ark and from the other grounders. 
and just that kind of stuff is getting set up. Um, we find Clark in pretty dire straits. Uh, we find Murphy in really, really dire straits. Um, and just like a lot of it's it's still really good, um, but it's a lot of setup for four episodes worth for me anyway. But there's uh, a new grounder who's really exciting, who's recurring. I thought he was regular, but he's recurring guest, I think. Uh, Zach McGowan, who was on uh, Black Sails um, as Charles Vane. And was he the main character in Black Sails? I didn't watch Black Sails. <laughs> no, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's been okay. too long but since I saw But he also it. played uh, Jody on Shameless. Um, so, but he's really, really good. I really enjoy his character. And um, he brings a really interesting and fresh dynamic to things, I think. Um, so, no. So, it's something to look forward to. Um, there's no reason not to watch it. Um, if you're a big fan of The 100, if you're kind of lukewarm on the series, this may make you go, I'll wait a little bit for it. But, no, I, I still really enjoyed the show. Um, and I'm really excited to see what, how all this stuff plays out now that hopefully, after these four episodes, things have been set up properly. Okay. Intriguing. I'm sure yeah. we'll have more to say about that after it premieres. Um, also debuting on January 21st, we have Baskets, which is the Zach Galifianakis show on FX. I haven't seen any of that yet, but I hopefully will see some soon. Um, then there's a docuseries, I want to say, uh, Darknet on Showtime. I Again, I could be off on that, but I, there isn't a Wikipedia page, guys. Uh, so I'm going off of memory. Yeah, it's a docuseries. Oh, it is? Okay. DC's Legends of Tomorrow is on CW, which is DW says, uh, that's right, Chicago Trilogy. What? <laughs> uh, have you seen any of this? I've seen the first two episodes of this one. And um, you had some fears about this one. Found it yeah, or un? Um, I feel like my attitude that Legends of Tomorrow was basically created to lock down a lot of these actors was entirely justified. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the show is perfectly fine. Um, it feels very much like the best parts about it are the best parts that you would expect to be, which is Wentworth Miller, Dominic Purcell, and Katie Lotz, which were the best parts of the shows that they stole them from. Um, so, but it's very hodgepodgey, stitched together type of thing, but it's supposed to kind of feel like, like that. But... Yeah, it's it's just it's perfectly fine. I think is what it is. Um, to explain why would be getting into spoiler territory, but it's perfectly fine if you're interested in it. It's going to be something that will probably appeal. Um, I'm not entirely sure it was worth hobbling the Flash and Arrow for half mm -hmm. season four, but um, yeah, no, it's perfectly fine. Um, I think once it settles down, because this the first two episodes are very devoted to explaining and justifying why these people would be a group and a team and remain a group and a team that once that particular barrier is covered and we can talk about how successful that is after the episode's premiere, um, that the show can kind of find a rhythm and find some fresh dynamics, but the cast is really good with one another. Um, Wentworth Miller in particular is just like having clearly just having a ball getting to play Captain Cold the entire time. <laughs> so yeah, so no, it's perfectly fine. But okay. yeah, we can discuss it in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Uh, London Spy is debuting on BBC America. This is aired over in the UK already, and this stars Ben Wishaw. But Ben Wishaw is not the actual London Spy. The main character is not a spy. The main character is, I believe, the boyfriend of a spy. Um, but there's a show that Rampling is in this, and some other really, I think Jim Broadbent, I want to say, is in this as well. So it's just a ridiculous cast. 
And um, yeah. people are really excited about it. Yeah, people are very excited. I have not seen any of it. It's only about six episodes. That's also on Thursday again, January 21st, along with the premiere, season premiere of Portlandia. We're so close to done with being done with uh, January, at least in my head we are. Uh, Children's Hospital is coming back on Friday the 22nd. Excited about that. Uh, Truth and Power is, again, I believe, another docuseries on Pivot. Uh, don't know much more about it than that. Did not care for the Mad Dogs pilot when it uh, was picked up from Netflix. So I'm not excited that that is also coming back or being released the first season on February, uh, on January 22nd. Uh, did you watch that? I haven't seen any of it. Mostly I'm just trying to figure out if I'm going to watch what we're going to talk about on Saturday the 20th. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be uh, well. The you know, Black Sails is back Black on Sales Stars. stars. Uh, Murdoch Mysteries is back on Ovation. It's called The Artful Detective. You know, down here in the states, but in Canada, you know, it's Murdoch Mysteries. Um, but Beowulf is a show co-production that that is airing on Esquire. Esquire, debuting. which used to be the video game network. Um, what you call it? G four. G four. Yeah, and that's that's Saturday, Saturday uh, January twenty third. Uh, this is like a live action period piece. Which I would not have anticipated. But hey, yeah. somebody's doing it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing is, I love Beowulf as, like, a story. I think it's fantastic. Um, I mean, provided you're reading the right translation, it's really, really great. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just I love the story. I even love, like, the alternate novel from Grindel. Um, but the, I hadn't heard about this until today when I saw, like, a couple of images because I think, like, it was being discussed at the... TCA junket and I just went there's a Beowulf series coming but yeah so I don't know if I even get Esquire but I may have to find out because I really like Beowulf I even watched the really bad Beowulf vaguely rotoscope CGI movie that's how much I like Beowulf is that I sat through that movie (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah, are you you haven't been keeping up with Black Sales? Are you going to try this Beowulf series? I may or? try Beowulf. Um, I think that'll be one where I kind of wait and see the reviews. Yeah, and kind of go from yeah. there because I enjoy a period piece. However, I feel like there are a lot of inessential period pieces happening right now. Um, that are kind of Vikings, man, Vikings. People love Vikings. That is not one of the ones I was thinking of, but uh, yeah. I think that's what's kicking off a lot of this. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. especially for like these cable channels in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, specific yeah. channels, yeah. Um, yeah. One I will definitely be watching, though, is The X-Files, which is coming back on yes. January 24th. <laughs> and then moving to Mondays for January 25th, the immediately after. So the first episode is on Sunday, the second episode is on Monday, and then it's weekly on Mondays for the next month. Now, uh, I assume you've seen the first episode. I've seen the first episode. I didn't watch it because there weren't enough views ah, available yes. for me to watch without like them having to ask for more, because Fox requires... A certain number of views. A certain number of views before they're just like, you can't watch it anymore. So I haven't watched it yet. I've heard positive things about this premiere, and I'm very excited about the structure of this, of mythology episode, standalone, 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 mythology. And so I'm I'm also just excited about the X-Files being back. I've been following the X-Files 201 Days campaign, even though I'm like like eight episodes ahead of that schedule mm-hmm. so i'm like knee deep into season nine so i'm gonna be ready kate i'm I was going say, to be ready how's it going um it's been going really well um here's the thing is i stopped watching the show on any sort of basis around the time when Mulder got abducted mm-hmm. and so a lot of season seven was like kind of new 
And then seasons eight and nine have just been completely new to me. So I don't have any baggage associated with them. Or like, oh, they betrayed the show I loved type of thing that you find from a lot of X-Files fans. So here's my controversial opinion is that season nine is not great, but it's also not terrible because it's a show clearly trying to figure out how it fits into a new television landscape and how it fits because it's happening like in 2000 and 2001 and things are changing really rapidly on network television at this time as networks just go like oh crap all this stuff is happening and there's not really room for the x-files anymore so it's trying to figure itself out i think the biggest problem that season nine has is the fact that they don't make a clean break from Mulder and scully it's just like why is scully still here and i understand why she's still here because i mean that's their tie to the mythology because jillian anderson yeah and Gillian Anderson, but that's their tie to the mythology with the super soldier alien stuff, which is actually not terrible. I don't mind this particular strand of the mythology, but I feel like if they wanted to like totally like make a cl- rejigger the show into something else, then they should have just like made a clean break with Mulder and Scully and Baby William and just had Doggett and Reyes investigating things because. I like both of them together. I didn't even know I liked Robert, Robert Patrick as much as I did until he, I started watching him on this because he's a fantastic actor on this show. And yeah, so what's your history with The X-Files? I have seen a lot of it, but not all of it. Certainly not the end seasons. I did. Uh, we did a DVD shelf with Todd Vanderwerf on it. Um, and so I watched a bunch of it for that, which was lovely. And y'all should go listen to that um, in the archives if you have not yet. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I went back then, was watching it with my sister, and, like, we were mainlining it. We got through, like, three and a half seasons in, like, a month. Um, yeah. But then school started up again, so mm-hmm. that affected both our schedules, and we got away from it, and I have never gotten back to it. So there are still swaths of the show that I have not seen, but I uh, really respect the series and what it's doing. And, I you know, I can't speak to the later seasons. The littles I saw from them were really not good and did not, like, especially when... When I'm watching the best from each season and I go from the best of season four to the best of season eight and nine, it's just they're not going to live up to that. Um, it's not their fault, really. Um, but And I do think that, uh, I mean, Robert Patrick is, I think, is very good, I think. Um, but I, I yeah, I, as for this episode, the, I think that it's solid. It's a solid episode, the premiere. However, I was having to, like, I had a hard time engaging with because engaging with it because every time I was you know as I was watching it I was thinking this makes sense if I've not seen the X Files or if I'm only vaguely aware of it but if I'm a like a passionate fan there's some things that they're saying that just don't make sense I'm like you don't get to have anyone associated with the X Files the characters have questions about what's real and is there really aliens when they've like they've all been abducted and they've all like i'm sorry you don't get to say like well what is the truth and maybe there are maybe there aren't like no you don't get to play that card but if i'm watching it from the perspective of someone who hasn't already been exhausted by those storylines and that back and forth (laughs) then i think it works so like they have a difficult kind of needle to thread with that um and i think that the first episode is solid um, and I'm also very encouraged, like you said, by the um, the format and the approach. I'm very excited for the Darren Morgan episode. Who and, isn't excited for the I Darren mean, Morgan episode? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah. going to be great. <laughs> it better so, be great. Otherwise, I will cry myself to sleep that night. <laughs> but we will definitely be watching and talking about the X-Files every week, listeners, on the podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, if they can pull off even just, like, solid and engaging, then I'll be I'll be on board. Uh, less solid and engaging is the premiere on the uh, January 25th of Lucifer, um, which is a cop, not a cop, with Satan and it's really bad guys it's it's not good the, the the best thing i can say for it is that it it kind of like went by pretty quickly um it didn't feel as long as cooper barrett felt but it's not good and it's not interesting and it's very very forgettable i mean it's just like just go away just go away lucifer it, it didn't offend my sensibilities or anything but uh I'm, he's not charming they, he needs to be charming and he's not um He's Satan, uh, and they're trying to make him roguishly, uh, impishly uh, enjoyable, and they really did not. A, a British accent isn't enough to do that, guys, at least if you're me. So, did you watch this at all? I, well, first, we should note that if you're a fan of the comic book, you should probably not watch this show. Uh, oh, are they related? Um, yeah, no, it's, this is based on Neil Gaiman and Neil Gaiman. It's oh. in yeah, no. So if you're like looking for your Neil Gaiman fix on Fox, don't come here. Uh, the, no, don't. No. Um, I didn't see the new pilot. Mm, okay. I saw the older pilot uh, before they recast um, uh, Nicholas Gonzalez with um, Kevin Alejandro. Um, who's not in the... Alejandro wasn't in the original pilot. Um, so I saw that one um so i don't know how much has changed um from that uh i liked that pilot perfectly fine okay. um i actually i think tom ellis is having a lot of fun i can agree with you that they don't do a good job of writing lucifer enough to make him really compelling and interesting let alone that a cop named dancer would um agree to let him help um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of a whatever. I, the only thing I really enjoyed is the addition of Rachel Harris as his therapist <laughs> brings like a nice bit of like earned humor, but there's still like a lot of weird stuff in that, like women just throw themselves at him because yeah. he just oozes charisma and it's just like, well, okay. Oh, except the one who doesn't. It was yes. now a fascinating puzzle to be unraveled by our male protagonist i wonder if they're gonna be the show's otp what do you think uh yeah no they'll be the show's otp yeah um yeah no so i mean i liked it more than you did but i'm i'm not like expecting anything like really anything interesting from this but i it again feels like that Fox went and said, oh, Sleepy Hollow is really successful. We should try something else in this vein of a mismatched pair of people solving crime with a high concept mythology element. Why not the devil? Yeah, let's do that. And just, no. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it, I, I thought it was, I thought the pilot version I saw was perfectly fine. I don't know that they changed a whole lot. So. Yeah, I would guess they didn't because Kevin Alejandro is in, like, maybe two scenes in, in yeah no that's yeah. about the extent that nicholas gonzalez did he show up at a school and was really angry yeah. at some point yeah so they didn't they just reshot the entire thing basically just with 
swapped out the actors, which was good because Nicholas Gonzalez was not good in that pilot. Um, I don't know how Alejandro was, even though I really like him, but mm. yeah, it yeah. just, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, the Magician is coming to sci-fi. Um, they, they aired the first episode in December, um, but it's coming. Oh, the rest of the they? episodes okay. are yeah are going to start up in January on the 25th. I watched the first episode that aired in December, and um, it, it was nowhere near interesting or entertaining enough for me to not be uh, really irritated at their uh, fake attempted rape scene. Uh, oh. they're, they're sexualized fake. It was super hot guys when the guy threatened to rape the chick to unlock her powers to get her to use them. And then is like, I would never while she's like very sexily lit in like a, a sparkly bra. He doesn't like conjure a new shirt for her or anything. Of course not. But I would, I would never. Sorry, dude. Um, so the fact that they didn't actually use actual rape as a plot point, but just, uh, a faked attempted rape as a plot point. Uh, you guys can guess how I feel about that, listeners. Um, that and... almost feels worse somehow. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's just really icky feeling for me. Um, and, and like I said, I, this is based on this, the trilogy of novels by Love Grossman, which I know a lot of people are big fans of. I have not read them. Maybe if I had, I'd be more compelled with, by this. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of, I was drifting as I was watching the the pilot, so... I doubt I will be back for that. Recovery Road is a new show on Freeform that I know nothing about other than I would guess by the title. Recovery has to do with it. I'm more excited about on that same day, January again, January 25th, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Jane are both back, um, which will be exciting. Now, Outsiders on WGN America is debuting on January 26th. I'm very interested in what the shows that they have coming based on Manhattan do you know anything about this? Outsiders is their Sons of Anarchy in Appalachia film. Oh, show, okay. Which okay. looks ridiculous and not something I'm going to watch. <laughs> Fair enough. Because I saw the, I'd see ads for it while watching Manhattan and go, wait, you guys okay Manhattan? What made you think that this was an idea? <laughs> so, which I tweeted that and one of the writers for Manhattan liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so no, um, but yeah, so I don't know, Outsiders is not something I'm going to watch, because again, it looks like Sons of Anarchy in, like, mountain family type stuff, and I'm not interested in that. In that. Well, fair enough. All. Uh, You and Me in the, You, Me and the Apocalypse is a new sitcom coming to NBC on January 28th, and then at the end of the month on the 31st, we have Grease Live. Are you going to watch Grease Live? On Fox? No, I hate Grease. Fair I enough. Hate it. I hate, are you going to watch it? Uh, maybe. Maybe we'll do a live tweet or something. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I mean, if if we're going to discuss it, I'll watch no, it. No, no, no. If I no. don't have good do wife not, that night. Do not watch it for my sake. <laughs> that is not a good reason to watch that. Um, no, I just, I'm really uninspired by the casting and by everything I'm seeing about it. Other than, isn't like, there's a... R and B group or a hip hop group that's going to be like performing in it, and I don't know how or why. Uh, That came out of nowhere for me the other day. Um, But yeah, that's vaguely interesting. But that's about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I haven't really gelled on any of NBC NBC's live musicals. Mm -hmm. I didn't even watch um, The Wiz, even though I heard really solid things about it. I just was just like, "Uh, no. Um, but I'm like, mm, yeah. when they start getting to other musicals that I enjoy and 
I'm familiar with, I'll tune in, but I, I can't watch Grease. So. Fair Again. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay, we are at February. Tuesday, February yeah! 2nd. American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson on FX. Are you going to watch this? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. You're intrigued? Um, no, no, I'm perfectly serious. Um, I, I'm, I'm really done with Ryan Murphy. I, I just am. Like, I didn't finish Scream Queens. I deleted, like, the five remaining episodes I had on my thing. I ditched Glee. I wasn't able to get through much of American Horror Story, Murder House, and I never really went back to this show. But I'm vaguely fascinated by his sudden interest in true crime and what kind of weird stuff is going to happen in this show. And I'm going to be okay if I just abandon the show after an episode. But I'm just morbidly fascinated by this cast and this premise and Ryan Murphy being involved. Um, okay. So how are you feeling about it? Are you going to watch any of it? Or I mean, I'll probably watch the premiere, but yeah. I would be I would be surprised if I would stick with it just because I've been burned by Ryan Murphy so many right. times that just like in a in a Tuesday that I assume will be very limited for time. This is not high on my list. Um, yeah, no, like, I mean, I've been touting how busy my Tuesday is. I mean, it's like, this will be something I don't watch until, like, a, a weekend, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, we have the Madoff miniseries on February 3rd, we already, which we already mentioned on ABC, that we're not particularly interested. HBO nope. has a new animated comedy called Animals with a period at the end uh, on HBO that... That is debuting on February 5th. I don't know much about it other than it's like the first episode is called Rats with period at the end. Then we have Pigeons and et cetera. Uh, so who knows what that even is? You let me know how that is, Kate. I, yeah, if I watch it, I will. Uh, we have on January 7th, Venture Brothers is coming back. Yes. So excited. Yes. Same yes. day as Super Bowl. Um, also very excited for Full Frontal with Samantha Bee on TBS, which is yes. coming on uh, January February 8th. Now, is this going to be like every day of the week? Like a kind of like nightly show situation or once a week? Do you I'm, know? I'm fascinated that she's just not going to have guests. Yeah. That's going to be... that. The fact that she's not going to have guests is the single most novel thing about this show already. And from a late night perspective, I mean, like, every show has guests. This is not going to have guests. That's just interesting already. Like, I'm, I love Samantha Bee already, mm-hmm. but this idea of not having guests, fantastic. And the promos for it have been really, really funny. Um, so no, I'm really excited. You seem really excited too. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very much down for a Samantha B show. Um, and what we're hearing about it, her being very interested in investiga- investigatory journalism, um, is uh, intriguing to me as well as, of course, what you know you'd already mentioned about them not having guests. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of her, so I look forward to what that's going to be. I'm also looking forward to the Detour, which is the uh, Jason Jones show also on TBS that does not, to my knowledge, have a premiere date yet, but it's him and Natalie Z. Um, and then they've got two kids uh, at, on a road trip is the, the premise for that one. But uh, I'm looking forward to that one as well. On on February 9th, we have Not Safe with Nikki Glaser on Comedy Central. Don't know much about that one, but I'm sure I'll t- give you guys some more info as we get closer to it. Uh, the Amazing Race, February 12th, is coming back. I do not care about vinyl even a little bit. This is on February 14th. This is on HBO. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Or do, you, do you care about this? And there's also there's roadies. Um, I don't care about either. No. I mean, I've heard like some talk about vinyl, and I'm just like, 
That sounds exhausting and not something I would watch even if I had HBO, guys. Yeah. This is why I don't have HBO. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, What about 112263 on Hulu? This is debuting on February 15th. This is based on a book? Yeah, and this is based on a Stephen King book. Uh, James Franco starring in it. Um, it's basically from the date it deals with uh, the Kennedy assassination, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I have no idea if I'm going to watch this or not. Um, in part because it will mean I have to remember to watch Hulu, which is not something I do. <laughs> um, but I will probably give this a shot because it'll at least get me into the rhythm of watching Hulu so that when the Hugh Dancy show on Hulu starts up... <laughs> I'll be remembering to watch Hulu on a regular basis, but I'm vaguely interested. I haven't read this book, um, and I I need to talk to a couple of people I know who love Stephen King to find out how they feel. Um, like Zach Hanlon is my like go to Stephen King um, expert online right now. Um, but yeah, so are you like going to tune in for this? How much like is is Franco fatigue setting in yet? <laughs> oh, hugely. Hugely. I'm not interested in Franco at all, but I am interested in what Hulu's developing and what kind of brand they're trying to make for themselves as a network. So I think that's uh, or a streaming option. I think that's very interesting. So I will probably be checking in on that. I will definitely be watching Better Call Saul when it comes back that same day, February 15th on AMC. Rizzolian Isles has its last season starting on uh, February 16th. I know for some people that is a big deal. I'm more excited about Broad City coming back for season three. On it got renewed for four and five four already. and five super exciting um yeah. that's coming back on february 17th um there's also a new alana glazer show as well uh that that it's about time traveling bongs or something yes uh, which super- sounded fascinating from the tweets and i'm just like i'll watch that at some point <laughs> <laughs> uh vikings is back on february 18th love which is a netflix show is on february 19th and that one uh, that's from joe Apatow. Ah, well, that's immediately not something I'm going to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but he is one of the creative forces on Girls, and I really like Girls. So that's coming back February 21st. Oh, it's got Julian Jacobs? Oh, hell. I am going to watch that. Never mind. (laughs) All right. I'm in. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Then we have Fuller House on January 26th. On February 26th, I should say. I really don't care about this. Like, I have a zero commitment level on this. I do not care. How about you? Are, do you not? Do you not? Is it just that you didn't watch Full House? Didn't or? watch Full House. I mean, I'm I'm sure okay. I did at some point, but I don't remember watching it regularly. I have no okay. connection to Full House. Full House was a huge deal for my family for some reason. <laughs> um, so I'm probably going to watch at least some of this just to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I mean, I'm kind of creeped out by the fact that she's living in her old house (laughs) and raising her family in that house. I'm really worried that Joey's still living in that alcove (laughs) in the (laughs) living room. No, I know that he moved out of the alcove at some point, right? These are all words that form sentences, but That you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's (laughs) where I'm at. Uh, That takes us to March which sees a few more new shows. We have the spinoff to Criminal Minds, Ugh, Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, because that needs to be a thing that exists in this. I, it, why is Criminal Minds still getting all of the viewers, Noel? Why is that a thing? Um, I just assume that it does really well overseas. It's the only thing I can think of. But yeah. I mean, this is also like, this is their second attempt at a spinoff for the show. Mm-hmm. Because the other one with Forrest Whitaker didn't last very long. Yeah, that's so all I can this... hope for. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Real O'Neill's is on ABC. It's a new sitcom. It's premiering on Wednesday, March 2nd. I've seen the first two of this one, uh, which is better than I anticipated. Um, it, it, this has um, Martha Plimpton and, uh, oh, goodness, Stan from Mad Men, uh, de-bearded, um, and <laughs> is about a dysfunctional family who try to keep up appearances, and those all come uh, crumbling down in the pilot, so now they have to be real. Um, and that's the real O'Neill's. Um, I mean, Martha Plimpton is just very funny. So, yes. she, you know, she, and, and what I saw is uh, solid. Uh, didn't blow me away the way that Fresh Off the Boat did when I first saw the screeners for it. But um, but solid and better than maybe you would expect for a mid-season, like a late mid-season replacement like this. Um, uh, then we have The Family on March 3rd. Uh, I've seen the pilot for this. Did you see this one? No, I hadn't even heard of it until, like, when I watched American Crime and saw a promo for it. I was just, I saw the promos and went, oh, this is the new Secret and Lies. And then it was, no, this is the family. And I just went, oh, well, that was really confusing. Thanks. <laughs> so what? So what? what is the family? The family is about a family who is, uh, it's set in two different time periods where okay. uh, one of the kids goes missing, is uh, kidnapped. And so they're trying to find the kid. And then it's like, uh, however many years later, the kid shows back up. Or is it them? Um, and so you're, you're. So it was this week's elementary episode, but for an entire series. Yes, and there's there's uh you know the the there's questions of if somebody in the family was involved in the kidnapping or orchestrated it, or if they um just benefited from it in some way, um or if um you know exactly what's gone on. Watching the way that the the two siblings' lives have been shaped by their their sibling, you know getting kidnapped when they were young is promises to be interesting. There's some good cast in here, some interesting cast members, but um, yeah, this one, I, I don't want to say too much about cause you know, they've been holding out of this one for a while. So I kind of rather wait and see a couple more episodes before I have too strong an opinion, sure. but I thought it was fine. You know, not very memorable, but not, it, it not, wasn't bad or anything. Um, so we'll see. Uh, and of Kings and Prophet to compare it with uh, was just negative interesting to me. This is premiering on, uh, it's also on ABC premiering on March 8th. And this is D uh, Daniel uh, or sorry, David, sorry, David and Goliath. And uh, also of the hunting of lions and such. And um, just really, I do not care about these characters. <laughs> I've, I've heard the stories. I know the stories. I went to, you know, religious ed and everything as a kid. Um, and I like the idea of taking these, biblical stories or these really ancient sort of mythology of uh, of christianity and judaism and, and all of that and exploring it and making them real people but this doesn't feel like they're making them real people it feels like they're making them uh you know melodrama kind of cliches so mm -hmm. um it's pretty and it's kind of nice that they're not all a bunch of white people that's great hey um, that's progress for a biblical epic at this point yes it <laughs> sadly is um but you know there's a couple things it's getting at which people don't really think about with there being the different tribes of israel and everything and yeah. then you know so like there's i can see what, what would be interesting but for me I, it, it did not hold my interest the first uh, first episode there um that takes oh i skipped over damien on annie march and 7th Bates, yeah Do and you, return to bates motel also on march 7th yes are you excited for these um, I'm excited about Bates Motel. Um, I have a weird relationship with Bates Motel in that I enjoy it and then I immediately forget about it, <laughs> um, which is bizarre. But like, I don't remember what the hell happened last season, <laughs> except that Norman is very much becoming Norman Bates. 
and um that was like the big thing that was happening last season and um the other thing i that i remember is that vera from Asia didn't get to go like crazy scenery chewing this season very much which is has been like the highlight of the previous two seasons where she just goes ape shit um that didn't happen um but I'll, i'm still like invested in watching the creepy chemistry between uh freddie highmore and uh Fremisha. Uh, because they're both fantastic with one another and individually, but like the two of them together is just fireworks. I'm not going to watch Damien though. I so do not care about. I mean, I understand adapting and doing like a prequel series to Psycho in like some weird level. I don't understand doing that with The Omen at all. Like the show, that movie's cultural currency is to me like virtually non-existent. Mm-hmm. Whereas Psycho is at least something that. People at least know, for the most part. Yeah. And but if I talk to you about Gregory Peck and The Omen, I don't. I feel like I'm going to end up getting a lot of blank stares. Um. So the idea of doing Damien just doesn't appeal to me at all. So I'm not even going to bother watching an episode. But I, I'm going to watch Bates Motel, even though I'll forget about it immediately after watching it. <laughs> what about Underground on WGN America, which is uh, this the one about the Underground Railroad um, period piece, and that's debuting Wednesday, March 9th? Maybe. Um, okay. Just be. I say maybe entirely because I review a show on Wednesdays so like more stuff on Wednesdays means more things I have to catch up on on Fridays now but I can't catch up on things on Fridays because we record on Fridays so it becomes this weird cycle of oh this is a lot but I don't know like I mean I like Manhattan and so I mean WGN's track record with at least a historical series has been promising so i mean i'll check it out at least once are you gonna like look into this at all or yeah yeah i mean because yeah. i'm really interested in i mean because there's never been a show about the underground railroad which you think should be good fertile ground you know sure absolutely um and i really like journey smollett bell who is one of yes. the main main leads in that as well loved her on friday night lights so um you know, well, I'm intrigued by the cast uh, and intrigued by the direction WGN America is kind of moving. That's well, This will be very telling, a very telling year for the network for me. Um, the only other things that come to mind that like stand out for me in the, the rest of March are the season two of Daredevil is on uh, March 18th on Netflix. Um, do, you, do you know about this thing, The Passion on Fox on March 20th? It's like a live, I, th- I could be wrong, but I think it's a live, it's an event, like kind of movie of the is passion. Is it a live passion? Is it yeah. a live, like, uh, is it a live, like, crucifixion Easter series? Yeah, it's like an Easter event? thing on okay. Easter with Tyler, That's I think it's Tyler Perry. That's fascinating, just because, I mean, those kind of passion plays, like, are like a normal type of occurrence on, like, that holiday in some countries and within some communities. They, like, do a staging of it, and there's, like, people that act it out and that sort of thing, so... That, that it's going to be a TV movie is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I'm not religious in the slightest, teeniest little bit, but I'm fascinated by that in a way that I may watch that if The Good Wife's not on that night. <laughs> yeah. We, it, it'll be very um, interesting to see how it does, if it speaks to people. If you're, yeah. you know, It's a new idea for them, which I, you know, I think that's a good idea. I think that's interesting. Um, And then at the, we have the catch on ABC March 24th, which is the latest Shonda show. And then on Wednesday, March 30th, we have the path on Hulu, which is aforementioned Hugh Dancy cult show. Are you excited for this one? 
No, Kate, I am not excited for this one. Hugh Dancy's the dullest act. No, of course I'm excited for this. Um, no, I'm really excited about The Path. I, ha- I haven't seen anything about it aside from some of the casting news for it. And I'm not sure if there's anything to see about it aside from that. But no, I'm excited about The Path. I'm excited about The Catch as well, just because I like that cast, even though the behind-the-scenes stuff related to The Catch does not... Bode well? Seem, does not bode well for that show doing well. But... If anyone can make something work out of that mess, it's her. But no, I'm really excited about the path a lot. Um, and I think you are too, I would imagine. I, yeah. I I don't care about another cult show at all. Sure. But at least it's not the following cult show. That's true. And it has and a it's big not cast. cult. Yeah. <laughs> it's not cult. Oh, cult. These things break right off, Kate. They just break right off. <laughs> Oh, so many memories. Uh, the last show I'm going to mention is Banshee, which starts up for its final season on April 1st on Cinemax. Any other shows you wanted to mention? Oh, I'm so excited about the return of The Odd Couple, Kate. I <laughs> can't so wait. I'm excited. I can't wait. No. Um, I actually watched all of the first season of The Odd Couple mm-hmm. and was just flummoxed that they never figured out how to be really funny with that cast. You, how could like, you how, with that cast? Exactly. How are you not funny? You're not funny. Um, so it was just really flummoxing. Uh, Scream comes back at the end of, on the 21st. Um, even though I was, I'll probably still watch a few more episodes of this just to see how they make this work again after they revealed who the killer was and they explained everything and they planted a couple of seeds and the finale for this to continue. But like I said in the Smorgasborgie, I was just like, I'm kind of done with slasher slasher tv shows they don't really work as tv shows but i'm interested to see what happens now that they're freed of the franchise basically Mm -hmm. and to see what they can do with it if anything at all but i mean it's going to be on a much much shorter leash mainly because it's in spring as opposed to summer where i could just be like yeah sure i'll watch this I don't have anything else to do, aside from complain about Mr. Robot on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, no, but, I mean, end of spring, I, I've got other things going on. So, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did not watch season one of that. Yeah. Pro- will not watch season two of, no, of that. I, there's no reason for you to. It's not a me show. There's, like, yeah. there are Kate shows and there are not Kate shows, and that is not a Kate show. Uh, well, now that we've recorded this, TCAs are still going, so... All of this information will be not useful in about a week and a half when they will have moved everything around. But for now, at least that is our mid-season preview. Thank you all, listeners, for, for sticking with us through that. Uh, Noel, where can our what lovely listeners find you and your work online? Uh, they can find me at Twitter at NoelRK, and then they can find reviews of mine at TV.com. And you can find me uh, at theteleverse.org. You can find me on Twitter at theteleverse. You can email theteleverse at gmail.com. And I will forward these emails also onto Noel so that we both uh, read your, your emails. I would uh, like that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so, so just reach out. Let us know what shows you're excited about that. I was going to ask what the question of the week is, but that's a good way to do it. So why don't you tell us, listeners, what shows you are most excited for that are starting up in the midseason um, and which shows you think – Maybe that we weren't very interested in, but you think we should check out. What do you think? Is that a good question of the week? I think that's a great question of the week, because then they're going to be like, why weren't either of you more excited about Daredevil coming back? And we will both go, well, mainly because Jessica Jones hasn't been renewed for a second season yet. Yeah, I can't be super excited about Daredevil season two until I know there will be a Jessica Jones season two. I've been rewatching some episodes, by the way, and that, that middle to late 
part of that season is so good. Right? It's really good. I mean, like, for me, the end kind of tapers. But, I mean, it's when that show is on, man. That's a good season of television. It's a good season. Of, it's a good show. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, almost like a show that should have a season two. I know, right? It's it's so bizarre. No, I mean, I understand the reason why that there's probably not renewed yet. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think they want to muck with the Defenders thing. Yeah. And they don't even have, like, Iron Fist in any way, shape, or form beyond, oh, we finally figured out how we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, just renew it for a second season and say it'll premiere after we do Defenders. Just that's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just I mean, do that. They managed to renew Daredevil, so I don't know why they couldn't, you know, but Immediately whatever. after it started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, this is a conversation for another time, listeners. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Noel, so much. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.